the blast from our past network. Hi, this is Tom Matthews from Return of the Living Dead and Friday the 13th, and you're listening to Podcasting After Dark. Brains, Tina! Lock your doors, close your windows, turn out your lights, for chills and thrills await you. It's time for Podcasting After Dark with your hosts, Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Stay with a friend, say your prayers as grisly ghouls close in to seal your doom. Tonight's episode, Return of the Living Dead Part 2, stars James Caron, Tom Matthews, and Michael Kenworthy. Welcome to the second part of our month-long Return of the Living Dead tribute here at Podcasting After Dark. I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. Zach attack. <laughs> More brains. <laughs> Tina. <laughs> so, like I said, this week we are doing Return of the Living Dead Part 2. Um, that oh came gosh, out yes. in 1988, am I correct? You are. That was a good year for horror. I'm, can I <laughs> Can I just say that? Right now? Yeah, you, so Zach's been chomping at the bit to hit me with this <laughs> this uh, good year for horror knowledge. So right at the top, let's uh, tell <laughs> tell me tell me what's so awesome about this year. <laughs> Let me tell you what's so awesome about this year. Uh, the Blob was awesome about this year. Yes, uh, I love dreams. that movie. That is that is a movie we will absolutely be doing on the podcast for sure. Uh, Bad Dreams, Child's Play. Which one was Bad Dreams? Bad Dreams was with. Richard Lynch, uh, it was kind of like a satanic cultish Freddy Krueger kind of deal. The trailer's really good. The movie kind I'm of. I'm sure was bad. I've seen the cover, probably, but I, you I don't have. Know it's got like a burnt hand covering a girl's mouth who looks all terrified. Oh yeah, yeah. I know which one you're talking about. Okay, all right. So what was and after? Then, oh, and then we've got Dead Heat, which is a Ooh, great one. I- Dude, I love Dead Heat. As a kid, that <laughs> me movie, too, dude. that movie freaked me out as a kid a little bit, but at the same time, I enjoyed it. That that might be a sleeper on on this list at some point where you may have to do Dead Heat. Oh, for sure, for sure. And then then we've got Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Oh, okay. Uh, my buddy yeah. Tess uh, is a big fan of Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. I think we'll be talking about Elvira on Ongoing Comic Book Discussion podcast this month. Oh, then nice. You'll have to do that. Uh, yeah. Friday the 13th, Part 7, the New, the new Blood. Fun Ooh. fact, the one I didn't see. <laughs> I remember the last episode when I was editing that. I was like, that's unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, Fright Night Part 2, which I, I tend to like, even though it's not very popular. That's okay. That's okay. I like Return of the Living Dead Part 2, and that is not a popular sentiment. <laughs> and then we've got Halloween Part 4, uh, The Return of Michael Myers, which I think is a decent sequel. Good lord. Uh, we've got Hellbound Hellraiser Part 2, which I think is a good sequel to Hellraiser. It expands on the universe. I think that that's a great like movie sequel in general. I, I really liked Hellraiser 2 a lot as a kid. I watched that one probably more than the first one. Oh, yeah, yeah. This list is going to get even better. So now we jump into Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Oh, wow. Good yep. Lord. And then we jump into Lair of the White Worm, which is a which is an art house horror film, which is, um, I think that's Hugh Grant's first movie he was ever in. I've never um, seen that movie, but I can see the cover to it. I can see the VHS cassette cover. 
it's good. It's it's you know it's an art film, so you feel like you feel classy after watching it, and uh, <laughs> it's good. I think it's good. Uh, then you've got Maniac Cop, which they are ba- so. So did you see the news that they're turning this into an HBO series? I did, and I'm hesitant because I'm wondering if it's gonna be if it's gonna be a legit remake or if it's gonna be just in name only. Did you see who the the creator was? Yes, I did, but then I read his little tagline about it where he's like, We all have the maniac inside us or something like that. Okay. Well, I'm I'm excited. I like uh what Nicholas Winding Refn. I like his Me stuff. Too. I think the only thing I haven't seen is Neon Demon, which I'm I'm kinda dying to see. But yeah, me too. Uh, I'll give it a shot. If it's if it looks as good as the rest of his movies and sounds as good, then I'm okay with that. Oh, I will totally give it a shot and I'm totally ex- excited for it because I love that guy. Uh, I just hope that it's more in line with the original Bill Lustig uh, Splatterfest, I hope. Which but, you know. I've never seen. Oh, it's great. You should see it. Oh, It's fun. And if it's you recommend boy, it uh, for the podcast, then I probably will. Well, you know, this could be, that could be one we could watch on the podcast. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> then we jump into we got Monkey Shines. Uh, that is the Stephen King movie. Not very good, but directed by George Romero. And so there you go. Uh, <laughs> then we've got Night of Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4, The Dream Master, directed by Rennie Harlan. Oh, I forgot he did that one. That's right. Yeah, I knew dude. that. I forgot it. This is this is all 1988, bro. And then we jump into Not of This Earth, the Tracy Lord's uh, sci-fi, I think one of her first mainstream movies after doing porn yeah so that means she was 18 when she did this movie no she was of age well what uh, i think she's like in her early 20s at this point <laughs> <laughs> and then we've got my, uh one we're definitely doing for the podcast phantasm 2 i would honestly love to do phantasm as a series i don't know if we it would be one of those things where we we do it all month long or we do it as a whole but i would love to revisit phantasm one through all of them and do it as a series because i loved every single one of them but i haven't seen i think the last one or maybe even the last two you're not missing much (laughs) i know but i still do want to see them just to have the completed you know mental visual set for sure i don't think that uh the last two are are worthy of our podcast but uh (laughs) but you know one through three right one through three i'd say uh, yes i'm okay with that number two is it's my aliens. I think it's superior to the original. Um, okay. Overall. And then okay. we've got Poltergeist three. And that was the last movie that that little girl, Heather O'Rourke did before she died. Yeah. I remember the big hubbub about that back in 88. Now I was, I was 10 in 88. So yeah, I remember all of that. She, she died uh, during the making of the movie. And, yep. um, and I think stunt double for it. Yeah, and they had to, yeah, basically kind of retool the story of the film around, yeah. you know, basically I think them just chasing her running through mirrors. So I think all the her running yeah. away is all the, the stunt double, which is they kind yeah, of pulled a, a, they pulled a game Crow. of death. <laughs> what, say a what? Again? I was going to say they pulled a game of death, uh, Bruce Lee game of death, but you said that Brandon Lee Crow. So we were both on the same Lee wavelength. <laughs> Yeah, we were both on the same wavelength for that one. But Hollywood's been been covering up deaths uh, for as long as it possible. <laughs> yeah. And then another movie that we we'll definitely have on the podcast, Prison, directed by Rennie Harlan, starring Viggo Mortensen. 
Hmm, I don't remember that one at all. Oh, dude. Well, you are in for a treat when you when I make you watch that movie because it's going to blow your fucking mind. <laughs> and that's it. That is a guarantee. You will be like, why didn't I not see this movie in 1988? Well, I'll tell you what is blowing my mind. All the movies, those genre horror films that came out in 1988, that, dude, that was insane. You were, yeah, so you were what, 11 or 12 that year? I was 11 that or I was 12 that year. I I'm just want to run through just like a couple more real quick ones that I think that'll really stand out for you. Yeah. Uh, there's Pumpkinhead, uh, and then there's Serpent in the Rainbow, and then there is uh, The Watchers and Waxwork and Witchcraft. That's pretty much it, you know. That like. Good lord. Yeah, 88 was a quite possibly one of the greatest years for horror films it, like as a body of you know in yeah, general no, i mean it, it makes sense because like what uh 80 85 84 uh 86 87 like predator was coming out then aliens were coming out so like i think yeah, a bunch of horror films bunch of friday the 13th were already out i think that's just straight up in the heyday of genres, yeah, genre movies that were just making gangbuster money at the time. Uh, I assume at this point they kind of they're kind of fading out a little bit, you know. But they just were had to have been raking in the money for the all the studios to just greenlit to greenlight so many amazing movies. Yeah, and I'd say the majority of those movies that I listed came out in the theater, and so that's we're looking at like probably at least one horror film every two weeks yeah. that Kate was coming on the theater. That's awesome, dude. Which means there was a pretty much a horror movie in the theater at all points in time the entire year long. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't pinpoint the dates when they came out. I could yeah. go back and do that on a no, later no, podcast. No. <laughs> <laughs> wow, dude. That's that's freaking awesome, man. That That's that's awesome. Seriously. Well, I just, I, uh, you know, the, thank God for the internet. Take me back to 1988, dude. I, I go back in time to that year right there. Seriously, bro. Like, I, I was I was, pu- I was pulling it up, up and I'm like... I wonder if they got a little thing on the internet about horror movies in 88. And sure enough, because there were so many, it's beautiful, man. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's a It was a beautiful time to be alive. Sadly, yeah. I didn't see a lot of those in the theater. I didn't go to see horror movies in the theater. So I think some of those I was probably watching in about, in what, uh, uh, 89, I guess, 90 maybe, yeah. uh, at the okay. video store. That's That's probably when I was encountering most of those movies, if I even saw them at all. Yeah, I was going to say, like, to, you know, bring it back to when I saw Return of the Living Dead Part 2, I first saw it with my mom, uh, Eric Schaefer, and my mom, (laughs) because I got to drop his name. Uh, This was around the time I started seeing horror films with my mom, and she took me to see Return of the Living Dead Part 2 in the theater uh, at the little Sunnyvale Town Center, and... Uh, brings back great memories. I, I mean, I, I love this movie when I was a kid. Will I love it now? We'll see. <laughs> see, I didn't have that experience uh, seeing horror movies with either of my parents. Um, my dad was always more of an action guy uh, yeah. or sci-fi. And, of course, you'd get crossovers like Predator. So that'd be sci-fi and action. But at, yeah. at his heart, you know, I think he would always prefer to be watching something like that than, say, Terminator. Time travel really gets him angry because he can't figure it out. So he gets, like, frustrated at time travel. But it, oh, pretty much anything Don't show him Arnold, time cop. 
<laughs> I don't. I don't think he ever watched Timecock. Timecock. <laughs> I said Timecock. <laughs> Where is your mind? <laughs> I'm not editing that out at all. <laughs> no, you don't, shouldn't do. Now, I was gonna say, you know, uh, in regards to the basis of our show, uh, my parents, like my dad, would never let me watch any of this stuff to the point where. I wanted to rent a Doctor Who VHS from the video store, and it said not rated. And he's like, well, what does this mean? I go, it's PBS, Dad. It's a TV show. He's like, oh, we're not renting that. It's got to be G or PG. And then my so mom, mom was, like, was the one that was cool with everything? Oh, yeah. My mom was the one who took me to see Hellraiser 1 and 2 in the theater and Return of the Living Dead. For you know, She took me to see every horror film, uh, whether it was com- I was comfortable or not with her. Uh, I mean, hey, it's pretty – pretty awesome but that you know dude, that's that's really cool i i think i think that's really freaking awesome your mom is really cool i'm sure you had to sit through a couple weird awkward sex scenes because all the horror movies have sex scenes but uh i gotta tell you sitting next to my dad during hand the rocks the cradle when i was like you know 12 or 13 or something you know oh my god that was the most doesn't awkward she, thing ever yeah dude, she like masturbates she, and everything and she that masturbates thing. and doesn't she make the kid she nurses the kid up from her tip yeah Teeth. Yeah, yeah, dude. I, I, I had. I was like, I was like, I'm sitting next to my dad, and I have a boner. It was the most awkward, horrible <laughs> oh, thing in no, my entire man. life. <laughs> yeah, no, that never happened with me and my mom. No, no, you're lucky. We, <laughs> I mean, hand the rocks a cradle was was something else to see to see with your dad. You're like hand that rocks something else. <laughs> Excuse me while I go to the bathroom. Oh. <laughs> Shit. And the rest is history. Anyways, moving on. <laughs> What's your experience with Return of the Living Dead Part 2 when it first came out, Corey? Oh, man. I, I did not see it in the theater. I know that for sure. Um, I a blam. <laughs> but I did see it on VHS. Me and my buddy Luke, this would be in our rotation. It would be either this, uh, Friday the 13th Part 6, or Return of the Living Dead part one um they were big big ones that we kind of cycled through which of course all have tom matthews in them so that was oh. kind of like he, he he was kind of like my my one of the like he was up there with with um hicks or something from aliens you know just like yeah. the, this yeah. cool actor guy that i i liked as a kid and i thought he was really neat and um speaking of tom matthews zach and i actually had the honor of interviewing him last weekend for our Patreon page. And we are going to, as of right now, that interview is online. So if you guys are listening to this, you can actually go to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash dark, And you can listen to about a 45-minute interview with Tom Matthews. And we also have about an hour interview with Stephen Jeffries, who is uh, Evil Ed from uh, Fright Night. So we have both of those over there right now. And uh, Tom Matthews was just super cool. He was a really nice guy. And I'm sure Zach and I will like interject some some uh, some stuff that we learned from him uh from the interview during the course of this podcast but i wanted to put that out there right now because i'm so so darn excited <laughs> i, I you could, well clearly <laughs> he was he was such a cool dude and you know you and i've had the it's so nice that these actors are are doing interviews for our podcast and we have other actors up and coming so if you haven't subscribed yet to our patreon just a cheap plug you should because it's going to get the content's going to just explode in your face as time (laughs) goes on Uh, but the tom matthews interview was great man like it was he was he said some stuff in that interview i never even thought about 
or, or would have even considered thinking about. And if you're a fan of the guy, which hopefully you are, you're going to learn some things that maybe you never learned about before. Some of the other films that he did in, in his career that he's actually pretty proud of and just some fun little insights. And, um, you know, yeah, he, he it, it was a very enjoyable and quick, it's a quick 45. You'll listen to it and be like, oh, wow, that's over already? That was fun. Yeah. I, I had a great time doing it. I was so, so nervous. I was much more nervous than Zach. <laughs> but it's a, it was a lot of fun. And like I said, he was a super, super cool dude. And I uh, hope you guys check it out because I think y'all really enjoy it. And we appreciate the patrons that we have uh, right now. And it's because of you all that we're able to actually produce these interview shows um, for, yeah. for, for you guys. So we really appreciate it. And thank you very, very much. Check it out. Check it out. So... Uh, I think like, so basically to wrap it up, uh, Return of the Dead Part 2 has been a big movie in my life for a long time since I was a kid. But that being said, the caveat to that is I have not seen this movie in probably easy 20 years. That's crazy when you think about it. But so, so I watched it for the first time. Uh, I guess the the week before we interviewed Tom Matthews because I wanted to to kind of remember this movie so when we went into the interview with him and um, but I didn't like break it down I just watched it and kind of just absorbed it and, and sat through it again and then today I, I did it I watched it again but you know I broke it down and everything like and by the way guys I'm the showrunner for this episode your buddy Corey uh, Zach got a nice nice two weeks off and, and then he'll be back <laughs> to show running the next one one yes thank god right <laughs> oh no no i but i've been i've been for the past two weeks i've been de- trying to figure out what my next pick is going to be so i'm like which one am, am i going to go with this one no i'm going to go with that one because return of the living dead has gotten a lot of great um it's got a pretty big following on our instagram page at least and and on reddit so i'm thinking like okay what can t- what can keep the buzz going or do i kind of do a curveball and go you know more uh underground or more like less seen well it's funny because uh producer Corey says give us something that will i can really milk as far as promotion goes and everything but then uh, co-host Corey says i really want another tough turf i want to just be surprised i want to just fall in love with with you know something i'd never seen before guys go back and listen to the tough turf episode that one is still one of my favorite episodes that we have i truly yeah. truly love that episode it, especially because it was totally new to me and it just blew my mind how much i love that movie so it, we'll we'll figure it out offline and uh and and i'm i'm looking forward to hearing what you come up with zach because i am very excited i hope this doesn't put any undue pressure on you though <laughs> no i I'm, I'm leaning more towards what what you just said so uh it, you know, I, I'm excited. I'm excited to, to jump back in the game. But this has been a fun, nice two-week break. And again, thank you because we've said this many times before. It is a lot of hard work doing the uh, the play-by-play. And but but I you know thankfully enjoy both of these movies. And uh, you know, Return of Living Dead for Part Two. It is what it is. And in, in, in overall, in a good way. It is what it is. That's a well. That's I will tell you too. To put it, buddy. I probably haven't seen this movie in close to 20 years as well. So I rented it the other night because I don't own it. I rented it from iTunes. And I think this probably is a PSA uh, because I have a feeling 
it's not the like original version of the movie that I watched. Yeah, so I know that for this for Return of the Living Dead Part Two, the DVD release did not have the the music rights that it originally had. They were thankfully Scream Factory fixed that for the Blu-ray release has the the, the original soundtrack. But if if you're saying that, then I think that uh, they must have encoded the iTunes version must be the DVD version because. My yeah. soundtrack had like real music in it. Um, right off the top of my head, I can't remember what it was, but uh, it had it has a great soundtrack. And I, f- a, I forgot how good the soundtrack was. And then B, when I was looking on IMDb for you know just the did you know stuff, I totally forgot about the whole return the DVD losing the the rights to the music. So uh, it sucks that you you got the crappy music because. I'd say one of the few things in this movie that is good is the original music. Well, I was going to say there were a few like uh, original songs or like classic rock songs in the, in the movie version that I watched in the version I watched, but the like incidental music was really generic and cheesy. Uh, It didn't take away from the film overall. It was a little distracting, but it, it didn't change too much of, uh, uh, you know, it didn't change too much for me. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, let's. Um. So we're both coming at it from a pretty positive place, I'd say. We both had yeah. nostalgic feelings for it, and but neither of us had seen it in about twenty years. So let's dive into Return let's of the Living this. Dead Part Two. Let's start with. I want to do uh, something new. I want to just read what IMDb has as like the the sentence that they tell about the movie because sometimes I think they're actually pretty humorous. I think this one's a little humorous too. So okay. IMDb says for Return of the Living Dead Part 2, curious kids unearth the barrels that previously helped revive the dead, which proves the second time's an undead charm. Is, is that what this movie's about? It's um, weird. I just, I'm I always mean, funny who, who actually writes these. I'm curious who writes these for IMDb. Well, it's funny. You pull up IMDb, you say IMDb and you pull it up and, um, and the first thing I notice is, and I think you pointed this out on another podcast, the blatant ripoff of uh, the poster is a total ripoff. Uh, oh, sorry, homage to Fright Night, which came out three years prior. And yeah. Such, you know, and then I look at that and then I read the tagline. I'm like, clearly the person didn't watch the fucking movie uh, <laughs> because this movie actually has a lot more going on in it than, you know, uh, it's flawed, but. But I feel like it's got. We're gonna. I think we're gonna give it a lot more credit than maybe it's due. I, I'm. Yeah. We we might. We we might. But back to your point about the poster. When I was a kid, I actually loved both posters. Um, I love this one a little bit more, but for some reason, I really enjoyed the look of it. And you know, when you're 12 years old, you don't think one's a rip off of the other. You're just like, oh, both no. of them are kind of neat. So while I totally agree that this one is probably mm, a rip off, just knowing what I know behind the scenes of the movie uh, and how much thought was put into things or how much not thought was put into things. Yeah, I wouldn't be yeah. surprised if they were like, Oh, I like this one. Just give us something like that. But I do think it's a, it's different enough. And yeah. I actually really still like it. I just 
took my um because i have the scream factories uh both return living dead one and two and you know i love the the one that they made for return the living dead one the the new artwork they did but and it's it's exact same artist for part two but i'm looking at it and i'm like nah i turned the artwork over (laughs) to get the original cover because i'm like this movie for me return the living dead 2 is just all nostalgia so i just needed i wanted to add to that which a part of that is the poster and i just wanted to mention that while we were while you were talking about the the similarities there um yeah i was gonna the poster is cool it's it's definitely cool and if you're gonna rip something off better to rip off uh something good for yeah for some for somebody that hasn't seen fright night the poster for fright night is the the face of the vampire in the clouds and for return living dead part two it's a zombie in the clouds yeah (laughs) overlooking like the 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 graveyard and then in fright night it's overlooking the house it's essentially the same idea concept but it is a, i agree with i agree with you it's very cool looking and if again like i said if you're going to rip something off at least make it look as cool if not better and they do I, and yeah and i guess i guess what gets me is that even though it is clearly a ripoff the craftsmanship of the artwork is so yeah. such a high quality that you're almost like ah it's a ripoff but you give it a pass because it looks so darn good yeah. you know <laughs> i'm okay with that i'm yeah. totally okay with that yeah um <laughs> That's at least that's what I'm going to say. Again, I think this is an indicator of how much of a of a wide berth we're going to give this uh, this film. I I really do truly believe. I mean, because of this podcast, I talk to a lot of friends about these movies now and stuff. And man, just nostalgia is a hell of a drug man nostalgia can just just cloud your vision to a lot of stuff because no matter what the faults of this movie is when i'm sitting there watching it i still feel like i'm 13 again you know watching it i'm like this is this is awesome but uh spoiler alert (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i okay go ahead yeah no i was gonna let's i was gonna jump in because we we do have stuff to say about the, the the cast and crew as well um it was written and directed by ken weederhorn now Zach, I know you know him from Shockwaves, the 1977 yeah. uh, zombie, Nazi, amphibian, underwater zombies, I guess you could say. Yep. I, I think Shockwaves, in my opinion, is one of the best sleeper films. Like, It's a PG movie, PG horror film that it's very subtle. There's very little gore, but it scares the, scared the shit out of me as a kid. I think as an adult, it's still really effective. If you haven't seen it, you should. And so when I saw that he direct, I didn't know that he directed this movie until a couple weeks ago. And I thought, oh shit, Ken Wiederhorn wrote and directed Return of Living Dead Part Two. Oh, cool, I'm on board. And then you told me a little bit later, like he wasn't even a fan of horror films or something. So and, that's uh, that's the big thing that you know we can you know talk about this wherever but yeah so he's been according to all the documentaries that i watched on this movie ken wiederhorn i think had essentially been trying to get out of the horror genre since shockwaves kind of propelled him into it uh and he he just was not a fan of it he didn't like horror movies like on his own so there was just no passion for the genre on the set and i and that translated to to people's enthusiasm as well and you know a lot of passionate people worked on this movie especially the the main um special effects guy from the first return of the living dead and 
it's it's everyone talked about how you know Ken Wiederhorn, nice guy, great guy, co- competent director. Like you know, there's nothing bad. It's just he had no enthusiasm for it that whatsoever. That sucks because Shockwaves again. It's it's probably it's it, it, as far as horror films go. It's in my top twenty of all time favorite horror films for sure. And you would think that he would be into the genre, but that's a bummer that he's that he wasn't. And while we're on Shockwaves, that's another movie poster as a kid. That one freaked me out, and I'm looking at it right now. I think it's a gorgeous, stunning piece of artwork. But I did not see that movie for the first time until I saw it with you sometime. Yeah. I think about eight years ago, seven years ago, something like that. And that yeah. was the first time I saw it. I don't. I think I was pretty drunk and high, but I <laughs> I do remember very much enjoying it. It had yeah. some freaky visuals, but I do remember it not quite being as scary as my, you know, my 10-year-old mind made it out to be. But the same yeah. it can be said for the movie House. That that poster always freaked me out. House with the skeleton oh, hand yeah. on the key, you know, I always thought that was freaky. And I love that movie, but as a kid, some some of these movie posters just kind of that for it it bars your entry because you 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 see it and your your 10-year-old mind just makes up all these horrific images and it never quite turns out to be as bad as you think it's going to be. Now shock again it's PG so it's pretty tame but yeah. just the idea the idea that it, it's a creepy film the 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 mood is very creepy. Well unfortunately for Ken he after <laughs> Return of the Living Dead 2 came out he then got nothing but you know more jobs for horror movies and everything i think he went (laughs) off to do tv and stuff after that like he's he's done things for like 21 jump street and stuff so he he went to tv for a while he said as far as cast goes at the top we have james karen and tom matthews we we talked about them more extensively in return of the living dead one and they're in this they're not repraising the roles as uh frank and freddy instead this time james karen's uh character's name is ed and tom matthews character's name is joey and they're (laughs) they're sort of it's like a reincarnation thing and of course there's just a way to bring them back to the to the series after they've been dead but they play it almost as if you know it's it's a, it's some kind of weird like we've done this before scenario but it yeah it doesn't get delved into too much the only thing good about it is that you get you get more james karen which james karen he seems to be having fun in this one tom matthew seems to be phoning it in a little bit and tom matthews has is on record for saying the only reason he did this movie was to work with james karen again and their chemistry in this movie and especially the first movie is so apparent and you find out after you know behind the scenes they just they met on return of the living dead but i think they became real good friends uh, on that set and apparently that was the reason and tom matthews does not enjoy return of the living dead part two he did <laughs> not want to talk much about this movie but he said on the uh on the blu-ray that you know it's pretty much just to work with, with james karen again so well, and and also he mentioned in our interview that we did with him, uh, the that this this movie probably would not have been made if they weren't if they didn't if they weren't in the movie. You'll yeah. have to listen to the interview to find the whole story to hear the whole story. But he he alludes that this movie wasn't going to get it wasn't going to get made if they weren't in it. I mean, they are their top build, and they're they're the glue that that you know keeps us to the series. And they weren't in part three, but I kind of suspect that they maybe wanted to have this 
like you know almost like Kenny Kenny from South Park in every yeah. every movie Return of the Living Dead these two guys are gonna die essentially <laughs> oh it would it would have been a great that would have been a really great hook um to have them just play different characters in every movie but have the same outcome in every movie um, yeah it's and I agree with you Tom definitely f- seems to phone it in James Karen is is still really good in it but they but but it's just not it doesn't have the same spark that they had no. in the first one. Well, and and I think that could be said about this entire movie in general. It just it lacks that internal spark, that passion that that really prope- propelled the first movie. Dan O'Bannon. I mean, I, I believe now, knowing what I know, that dude that lightning in a bottle you get that just from from pure passion and just just wanting to make the best you can possibly do here it's like you can just feel it like the director's like yeah yeah sure that's a job i'll take care of it you know it'll be competently made you know but other than that there's no soul to it there's no heart and soul to it Um, well and the and the characters are not are not very likable you know not not hardly pretty much almost every character is not very likable uh, overall versus the original where every character had some sort of likable quality about them. Agreed. And they've, they felt much more fleshed out in the first one too. For sure. Um, yeah. Michael Kenworthy, he played Jesse. He was also in the Blob remake. Uh, he, he played Kevin. <laughs> yeah. Kevin. I'm trying to picture. He wasn't the kid that got eaten in the sewers. Was he? That was a different no, he kid, was. right? No, he, oh, that he, was, he was him. That, that was him. Yeah. Uh, which is funny because he's he looks older in the blob, which makes me think that Return of Living Dead Part Two was made maybe a year prior. Pro- yeah, probably. I would imagine he probably went from uh, this to the blob. Oh, you know what? Yeah, he. I'm trying to remember now, I because there are like two, maybe there are two blonde kids in. Well, because the the I, the it's one of them is the main kid, and I can't remember if he's the main kid. And then there's another blonde kid that's the main kid's friend. Because remember they sneak to the movie theater. He's and the that's main where, kid. Oh, oh, so this kid from Return of the Living Dead is the main kid. Yes, yeah, you're okay. Yes, he and he he ends up. Yeah, the he's, other kid gets the other whacked. one gets gets got, and if yeah. I don't know if this is like some kind of urban legend but i always understood that after that because that kid was like 10 years old when he got melted by the blob that after that i think it was so disturbing that the mpa kind of started putting restrictions uh or they would hand out like an nc-17 or an x if you killed gratuitously killed young kids that way and i i i've that's i i don't know what the validity to that is i would have to look it up but i for some reason that's in the back of my head or i made it up because as a kid i thought the blob was traumatizing as fuck especially because of that scene because i was roughly that kid's age and i'm like oh my god i could get melted (laughs) yeah well because because uh that kid is not necessarily a jerk kid you know he's just a kid yeah, he's just a normal kid versus the the kid in this who gets turned into a zombie who you're like, oh, that kid's an idiot and he's an asshole. So and, and that kid in the blob like arguably is one of the gets one of the worst deaths in the entire movie. So yeah. There's yeah, I can't. Of, there's a lot of horrible deaths in that movie. <laughs> there is, dude. I cannot wait to to do that one with you, man, because that's another one I haven't seen probably in about fifteen to twenty years. But I watched it a ton when I was a kid. Again with Luke <laughs> in our disturbing I, I saw, childhood. I saw it last year, and I can tell you for a fact it holds up. 
So that's awesome. That's fantastic. Um, Thor Van Linger played a Billy. He really <laughs> hasn't done much. <laughs> There's not that at nothing at all. He only has Return of the Living Dead um, listed on here, and that's oh. pretty much that. Um, <laughs> Suzanne Snyder played Brenda, which is Tom Matthews' girlfriend. I know her from Seinfeld. She did two things, uh, two different guest spots on Seinfeld. And and I was like, ah, yes. And but I gotta say, as a kid, and and Luke can corroborate this, I had the hugest crush on on Brenda, just that character. I loved her red hair. I thought she was just so hot or cute, whatever my 13 year old mind you know thought of but i loved her maybe that added to me wanting to to rewatch the movie over and over again but i had a huge yeah. crush on her i remember her from weird science and killer clowns from outer space and she was fantastic in both yeah. of those who was she I in weird a, science she's one of the girlfriends at okay the end. okay her and then the other girl is from creep show part two i think no, I just no, sorry. I just watched Creep Show Part Two. Uh, actually, a few nights ago, my wife and I just watched it because that was one of her favorites growing up as a kid. And I was like, "Oh, cool!" I was like, "I didn't think you and I were going to do that anytime soon." So I was yeah. like, "Yeah, let's watch that." And you know, we kind of had our own podcasting after dark because I Ooh. used to love Creep Show Part Two. The Raft uh, was awesome, and watching it now, that movie still holds up. Sadly. I think the raft is actually the worst of the of the three stories in it. I think the other stories hold up better than the raft, and uh, but the movie as a I whole is raft, still great. I think the raft on paper is great, but yeah, I agree with you, and I and I do have to correct myself. the The brunette in the raft does look like the girlfriend in Weird Science, but they're not the same actress. So <laughs> they're definitely not the same actress. That's okay. At that, it happens. <laughs> We all make but I will mistakes. say that the, the, the girls in Weird Science, the two girlfriends, I always had a huge crush on. And uh, Suzanne Snyder, for sure. And then she's in Killer Clowns from Outer Space, which is, I mean, it's a classic. So Same year. Same year as this one. So she had a, she year, had a good dude. year. Yeah. Man. Woo. Man. Woo. 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 Um, <laughs> uh, Marsha? Uh, uh Dealtian, Marsha Dealtian. She played the sister of Lucy. She's just she's she's been working ever since, but it's been stuff like Law and Order, things like that. But uh, the sister, but yeah, she's she's cool. Uh funny funny enough, the aerobics instructor that's on the VHS tape that they watch <laughs> gets higher billing than than Colonel uh Colonel Glover. <laughs> or the but doctor the guy, or doc. Or exactly, or the doctor. So that's interesting. And her name is Hanala Sagal. But uh <laughs> I wonder if she's related to Steven Seagal. I'm not going to go down that that rabbit hole right now. Well, is she? No, she's not. Interesting. So the same guy who played Colonel Glover in the first movie plays him again in this movie. He looked actually more in shape this movie, like less old than he did in the first movie, I thought. Yeah, Maybe because he, he had the hat on, so it's kind of like hi- hiding his bald head. Yeah, that's true. Probably. Oh. Um. Dana Dana Ashbrook uh, played Tom Essex, uh, who was I just called the cable repair guy, basically. <laughs> yeah, but he was uh, he's he's really well known from Twin Peaks. If anybody uh, watched that show, yeah, and and I was reading here on IMDb too that um, 
uh, shoot, what's his name? Doug loves movies. Doug Benson. So I think Doug Benson was a zombie in in this movie, and he be, stayed friends with Dana Ashbrook. And apparently, Dana Ashbrook was on an uh, episode of Doug loves movies in 2017, and they talk oh. about basically working on Return of the Living Dead Part Two and and whatnot. Oh, so cool. I'm actually I, I just found that out like. 30 seconds before Zach and I started recording. So I couldn't even find the episode like on iTunes or anything, but I'm going to try to look it up and, and check that one out. Um, smaller, like lesser known people, but people that I think we still know. First off, the guy who played Tarman in the first movie played Tarman in this movie. And I don't know if you know, but his name is Alan Trotman, which is kind of weirdly close to Tarman. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. And I, I think he does. a. I think, Wow, we'll get to that, but uh, equally awesome zombie. Yeah, and then Mitch uh, Pileggi plays the the bald guy, the bald army sergeant or something like that. He has named Sarge in here, but I know him as Wes Craven's Shocker. (laughs) Shocker! 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 I was like, I was watching, I was like, oh, look, it's Shocker. And I think he was also in, I don't know, like Lost, or no, I think he was on the X-Files, something like that. Uh, he, um, yeah, he was, mo- most people will know him from the X-Files, I think, mainstream. Yeah, I think, I think his name was like Skinner or something like that on yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's great. And then f- Oh, finally, and also three, o- 3 O'Clock High. He's which I've never seen, high. which I've never seen, but has <laughs> my favorite actor in it. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's not a podcasting after dark. It would probably be on my other podcast two dollar late fee but yeah that movie is great what what's what's my actor friend that i just got me kicked out of the bar richard richard tyson richard tyson so yeah we got you got to get me on there to talk about that story on two dollar late fee (laughs) and finally we have doc mandel apparently don kalfa auditioned for this role and they turned him down so they wanted he the the producer wanted Don Kalfa back for this role and and Don's like on the interview is like oh that's he laughed he's like oh that's just what happens I guess in the world but um Philip Bruns wow. plays him and I know him as Jerry Seinfeld's original dad on season one of Seinfeld before they bring in the who is going to be Jerry Seinfeld's dad from you know then on but he was Jerry's first dad in season one of Seinfeld basically so he replaced Jerry's uh, Jerry Stiller Jerry Stiller replaced him no 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 they that's that was uh Jerry Stiller plays George Costanza's dad sorry yeah yeah sorry yeah so I I know I know who it is now yeah, yeah. So that's that's where I always kind of knew him from, and uh, yeah, that's, that's he's great. Pretty, he's great yeah. in it. Like he's. Uh, it's too bad that Don Calfo couldn't be in it, but honestly, the guy who plays Doc, I couldn't see another actor playing that role because he plays it so well. I really liked him, quote unquote. Well, yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's and, like yeah. And finally, we'll the guy who plays Scuzz, who played Scuzz in, in the first Return of the Living Dead, uh, Brian Peck, he plays a bunch of zombies in this movie. He was, he seems like he was kind of like this weird intermediary guy between the the director 
and like the zombies because Brian Peck has said, I think he's just like, he's a big fan of the genre and he was, he was just like really into it. And I kind of got the idea that the director kind of just used him to kind of, all right, you communicate to the zombies what to do because you're clearly into this and I'll do something else. Now I could be totally wrong about that, but he, he had, my takeaway was that he did more than just be a zombie extra. Like he had a hand in the pre-production of the movie as well, except he's not like a producer or something. So I'm, I, I can't really figure out exactly like to put a term on what he was, uh, other than he was just seemed really enthusiastic about being, you know, in the movie and everything. And, and I think the director used that, but, uh, Brian Peck, the the one zombie you'll probably know him as specifically is he was the Michael Jackson thriller zombie at the end. Oh, interesting. Fun fact. So another thing, uh, I could kind of tell when I was watching it this time on Blu-ray, but most of the zombies are masks, and it's like a mask that goes over the person. It's not so much a prosthetic that they glue on, unless unless the zombie is really in the front and has to like talk and has a close up. Most of the other zombies are kind of wearing like masks that they put on, and it allowed them to a spend less time in hair and makeup, and b they could use the same actors over and over again. You just swap out different masks and you just couldn't even tell. So they only had, even though there was a bunch of zombies, they really only had, I think like 10 extras total or something, maybe for the bigger ones, a little bit more, but they had like a, a, like a handful of ones that they used throughout the entire movie. And they just put different zombie masks on them. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, at first some scenes, it looks like there's a lot and then others, you feel like they're just skimping. So yeah. yeah, well, that's probably the budget. Yeah. All right, my man, are you ready for Return of the Living Dead Part 2? I am. I do some generic music, but I can't remember for the life of me what that music was in the beginning of the movie, so let's do it. <laughs> Question, did your DVD start with the Lorimar Pictures logo? Yes, it did. Oh. Interesting. Okay, so because that was something that they specifically added back into the Blu-ray. So I don't know if you, if if well, like what maybe you did see the Blu-ray version, but no. You know what? I'm sorry. No. Are you just remembering like, in your your mind's eye from your childhood? Yeah, because I I love the Lorimar logo where it's like the sun rising or yes, you know yes. over the and uh, I think it just said Lorimar Pictures like. But I think it was like a Warner Brothers logo or something okay. like that. Yeah. So then you did watch the DVD because the Blu-ray version for everybody out there, it, it opens with the stunning, awesome Lorimar pictures like sunrise or sunset, whatever that is. And it starts with that. And I was like, right when I saw that, I was like, oh, here comes my childhood rushing back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are definitely moments in this movie. I had the same feeling like, oh, I remember when I was 12 and where my where my head was at with this movie yeah so much fun (laughs) so much fun so we get a little prologue at the beginning it seems like a bunch of army trucks are driving through an abandoned town i always thought this as a kid was a bit ominous and they're just like driving through the town the the trucks are just uh moving through town while it's raining but there's also like um other jeeps and stuff like set up along the way it all looks very professional looks very military-esque but the the cool thing is it's juxtaposed of them going through like this small little little town you know a little obviously a california style town and while they're driving through the town 
one of the trucks that are carrying barrels and barrels of trioxin from the first movie all you see is these these barrels you know that they're the same ones from the first movie so while they're driving through town the guy driving the truck is <laughs> he's smoking a, a joint and he's got his headphones on and both of these were on purpose to kind of show that he doesn't hear it but he hits a bump and the barrel falls out of the back of the truck and falls into like a river below when he was going over a bridge and yeah. boom that's how it starts <laughs> yeah and it's so it's huh it's <laughs> My my twelve year old in me was like, oh cool yeah here we go. My forty three year old in me was like, oh this is so lame. Like it's just, <laughs> I mean he's smoking a joint and what was he listening to in your in your version? I won't oh, ask that question all that often, but I, like I don't remember offhand. It was a good it was, yes, it was it was a licensed song, wasn't it? Yeah, because I like in this one it was it was like this kind of cheesy '80s rock song, and I'm like that. I don't remember that being the song that he was listening to in the yeah. Original. I, I see, and I've never been. I've always been a visual guy growing up, so I even as a kid, I never really paid too much attention to like scores and things. You have more of a musical ear than I do, having you know been in a band and everything. Mm-hmm. I have all my musical talent or all my artistic talent has always been visual so i don't have a good recall on that but the movie sounded great to me i didn't nothing was jarring or anything when it when it came to like what the soundtrack was yeah this was i and i remember like one barrel falling off i'm like one barrel falls off really one barrel does a lot of damage yeah but i'm like why are like more barrels not falling off right now you know what i'm saying (laughs) yeah like, come on, come on. But uh, come on. two barrels fall out. Two, two. And, and of course, if that uh, town or the little desert town that we're about to see in two seconds uh, look yeah. familiar, it's because apparently they had to, they were not allowed to shoot anywhere outside of the driving radius of the studios. So in, in LA or in the movie industry, if it's if something if you're shooting outside of like you know uh, I think sixty miles or something or fifty miles outside the studio you have to get hotel and for stuff for everybody and they couldn't afford that so everything is shot within X amount of miles of the studios but the problem okay. with, is that the movie was shot for like I think they said like five weeks all night shoots the whole movie was pretty much night shoots and they had people trying to drive home at like four or five a.m six a.m and like half asleep and getting in accidents in like morning rush hour and stuff till they finally i think actually got them a a hotel for some of the further stuff so yeah that that so even though the first movie was filmed in la clearly uh and it was supposed to be kentucky this movie is clearly uh, California Valley area, San Fernando Valley area, and I don't even know where it's supposed to be. Yeah, it reminds me of um, a little bit of a movie that came out the year before called The Gate, especially the subdivision that it takes place in, where they it's almost like this film crew came in while they were building these homes and like, hey, can we shoot some stuff in here before you build these homes? And then we'll just pay for whatever damages, because <laughs> it just felt very empty and dead. 
kind of like Lethal Weapon Part 3, where the end kind of takes place in one of those being built subdivisions. Was there just yeah. like a boom in the mid-80s where, where basically like the urban sprawl was expanding into the suburbs and there was all these like suburb towns under construction and they just – did the construction company just like sublease like space out and be like, yes, pay us you know, and you can shoot here. And if you break something, who gives a crap? We'll just rebuild it. Yeah. I mean – it would it would appear to be that way because because these these places all feel like like I I lived my my dad lived in a subdivision and and I remember they would be building houses but there was more life around there and I know and this has nothing to do with it feeling like ooh the dead will rise it was more just kind of cheap it felt cheap yeah, to me yeah no even as a kid I you know growing up on the east coast and growing up in like older subdivisions that don't really have a lot of construction going on. I was always yeah. thought it was weird that like his house was inhabited, but yet the house to the left and to the right of him were under construction. I just had never seen anything like that before. Yeah. And it was a little jarring. It was a little off putting as a kid. I just didn't quite understand it. But I also, all these neighborhoods like in Poltergeist and ET, uh, all these like cookie cutter sort of neighborhoods that are on the West coast, they were all foreign to me because it didn't look, they didn't look anything like the neighborhoods that I knew just because of topography, you know, trees are different on the East coast versus the West coast. So I just yeah. kind of was always like wrote it off as well. It's just, it's la la land to me, you know, it's all just, just, you know, fantasy to me. I have no clue, but yeah, as a kid, I, I did think this movie especially was odd in the fact that no one was living around there and it just felt lifeless and it felt, I actually felt thought it felt a little spooky. Like if you lived at the end of the road and all these houses around you were just unoccupied, almost like it's like Detroit now, right? Yeah, it, it, yeah, I agree with you. If it is kind of creepy in like a, in, in almost like a depressing way. Like oh, what well, these are places are just, it's so sad, you know? Yeah. And then Billy's house, wasn't Billy's house like still under construction? And then at one point, yeah. Yeah, it looked like it from from the windows. Yeah, so the next scene it cuts right to the funny thing is I call I just call it Desert Town and uh, where basically it's it's Jesse's neighborhood. But um, we're introduced to Jesse. He he's basically he's in his bedroom and he's looking out across the street and he sees these two kids you know getting in trouble doing some crap. Uh, he basically digs through some comics, grabs a Spider Man comic, rushes outside and basically brings the comic to Billy, who we know is Billy and his other goon kid i didn't track that kid's name but i just called him no. goon and uh billy's like you can all right now you can join us and and jesse's like ah that's okay i don't want to join you guys i'm not really a joining type and they kind of force him to <laughs> yeah. so i was like so why did he bring him the comic or was that just to kind of get the bullies off his back sort of thing yeah i think so uh for, well first of all i was like the kid doesn't have any bags or backings for his comic books what the fuck yeah yeah seriously. <laughs> first of all at least he had at least he had him in long boxes um because i was like a purist at that time i'm like every mags every comic book should have a bag and a backing uh and, and a tape on the back or whatever <laughs> and i love when he's like yeah i'm not the joiner type but yeah it was definitely his way of i liked him in, instantly that kid definitely brings flavor to the movie he he's kind he's the spark in the movie for me uh which Jesse? keeps it going yeah 
Yeah, me too. A hundred percent. Um, I never found him to be annoying or nope. like, oh, yeah, like that that kid that you know movie kid problem. Where like, oh, they try to do this, but they turn out to be annoying and they're not quite cute or something. I thought he was fun. I think he actually does a great job throughout the entire film. Truthfully, yeah, and he has moments where he doesn't do the stupid cliche kid thing. He does things that make sense. Yeah, yeah, agreed, we'll agreed. Um, so they basically say, okay, we'll show you to show you our, our clubhouse, uh, is what Billy yeah. says and, you know, kind of forcing him into the, into the gang. So we cut to a graveyard and Billy and his goon take Jesse to the graveyard and the clubhouse is a mausoleum. So of course, like Jesse's a bit apprehensive about going in, being forced into a mausoleum. Billy's talking about how this is like an initiation. So Jesse kind of squirms his way, you know, out of Billy's grasp and runs out of the cemetery, but into like a, an, <clears throat> like an, a giant sewage drain dumpage thing. You know, one of those big sewer pipes that you can kind of pretty much get in without, you know, almost fully standing, you know? And, uh, so Jesse runs away from Billy and the, uh, and the goon and the, and he hides in that sewer drain and they both kind of follow him inside and they sort of easily find, uh, Jesse sort of hiding behind, uh, the trioxin barrel. But of course they're about to pummel him and they're like, Oh, well, you know, what is this? So they start poking around, uh, you know, the trioxin barrel and they pop the lid off and they see the the tar man's face because this is just like the first movie where there's a nice convenient little plexiglass screen and <laughs> that you can see into the barrel and they get scared and they basically run out of the out of there and uh billy locks jesse in the mausoleum basically as kind of like you know hey kid first off when he when he's running away from them initially and he runs through the bars of the uh that was awesome because he's like you see these bars that Jesse's running towards and like, there's no way he's going to get through these. He gets through those really quick. I thought that was kind of cool. It mm-hmm. made sense to me. Um, and then the, the mausoleum said Wilder Smithy. I don't know who Wilder is, but I know that um, Smithy was like Alan Smithy was the pseudonym for, you know, shitty films or whatever. I don't know if that was intentional. Yeah. It's, it's the moniker that directors will put if they don't want their name associated with that film once they make it. Yeah, and I don't know if that was intentional or not for him to put that there, but maybe it was. Uh, <laughs> uh, but but yeah, when they get to the the tank in the in the sewer, yeah, it's I want to like that scene so much more. But the kid who plays Billy's buddy is such a bad actor. He's such a he's such a doofus. Yeah, and he doesn't bring any. Billy's okay. He's very he looks like 30 years old, even though I'm sure he was a kid. But like they styled him really weird. They slick his hair back and put these giant braces on his face. And I don't know. It just didn't do it for me. But 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 Jesse saves the scene, the, the those scenes because he's so good. And you and so, yeah, so full of life. Yeah. So you root for him and then you hope to get to the next scene. well thankfully in the next scene we have joey who is tom matthews ed uh played by james karen and brenda uh suzanne snyder and they show up in a van 
Brenda, Brenda's all dressed up to go out, but we find out that Tom and, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Ed and Joey are there to do work, which they're basically grave robbers. They grab some tools and leave Brenda by the van while they go into the mausoleum. We go inside the mausoleum, and Jesse's basically trying to find a way out of there. Uh, yeah. Joey and Ed talk about sort of being grave robbers and, uh, and and how they're, like, hunting for, like, like interned skulls, and the skulls have to be interned, and the people that are paying for these things, like, the, it needs to be interned. But there's, like, little running gags about how, you know, Ed doesn't want to – you don't want to rip people off, you know, even though what yeah. he's doing is clearly shitty. <laughs> it'd be it'd – be- dishonest to give them skulls that weren't buried oh. exactly and i'm thinking that this was probably written since it was mid 80s uh, the uh, satanic panic was going on so i think this was probably written i'm sure there was some story got out that this, people were robbing graves and taking their skulls and for satan rituals or something so i'm sure that that this is something to do with that yeah it uh immediately you're like oh these guys are these guys are like bad guys, so I don't. I want to like them, but I'm not supposed to like them because they're not good people, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So immediately off the bat, you're like, okay, well, they're unlikable, um, which is a bummer, you know. And and then the kid Jesse just splits out of there when they when they open up the doors or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. So, well, Jesse tries to climb out of the roof, and he has that scene where he kind of falls through the casket that he kind of pulled out, um, and then he lands next to the the corpse that sort of fell with him. And you actually do get a good scene, I thought, where he was like, okay, it's it's just a corpse, no big deal, and then the head kind of, like, turns, because it's not alive, but it turns because it just was moved, and the kid just goes, shit! And he just did a good job (laughs) of the way he delivered the shit, you know? And again, he's fantastic. He's actually, I think he's fantastic in this movie. Uh, Yeah, I I forgot. What's what's around him isn't great. No, and I I forgot that he was the, like you said, he was the main kind of lead kid in the blob. So he, yeah, he, yeah, it's too bad that he didn't do more stuff because he has like that, what do you call that, toe head? blonde kid like he looked like the kid from christmas story and little macaulay right. culkin-ish you know yeah and that, that, blonde that was hair. super popular back then that dennis the menace look or whatever mm-hmm. and he he's he's great he's great but this is when this is when joey and ed enter the mausoleum and they're just talking about whatever and i love he just kind of the kid you know it doesn't take long he just pops up it kind of scares the two of them uh joey and ed more so ed and and he runs out of there ed tries to grab him. he's like if i ever catch you on here kid ah, you know it's 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 <laughs> yeah. funny it's it's kind of like again it just trying to play on the fact that they're doing real jobs except the fact well you know it's they're playing on the fact that they're, they're like you know what i'm trying to say they're they're workers these guys are like blue collar guys but what they're doing is is dishonest what they're doing is terrible but their behavior yeah. is very trying to be very norm normalize it essentially I think that was the problem with the first problem was that you're trying to normalize their their actions, but their actions are not something you can normalize. They're they're stealing bodies and they're like taking jewelry off them. That's that's, it's that's deplorable. Up. Yeah, yeah, it so, is. So I mean, I want to like them, but I can't. 
so Jesse runs pretty much all the way home, and we are introduced to his sister doing some workout videos in front of some eight, really 80s outfit, real 80s, like jazzercise, aerobic video type of thing. And, man, it is, it's 80s apocalypse. And just in that, that five-foot square that she's standing in, everything that's in there in that living room is just 80s, I will say. I had a minor crush on her, not as extensive as I had on Brenda, <laughs> but for the most part, both of the female leads in this film, I was just I was crushing hard on for different reasons. One, well, I was learning as a kid. One, one's the kind of girl you take home to your mom. One's the kind of girl you probably hang out in a graveyard with, you know. <laughs> yeah, except the sister looked like she's thirty years old. <laughs> she, yeah like oh she they didn't did. put makeup on her to make her look younger <laughs> maybe they yeah uh, but i think when you're you know when you're when you're 12 years old you know anyone over 18 looks like they're a million years older anyways right oh yeah for sure for sure <laughs> yeah 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 no yeah when uh when when she's doing her whole workout routine i'm like and then he's checking out the chick on the tv well it's so it's weirdly shot because i was watching it now but even as a kid I always thought he was checking out his sister. The way it's shot and the way she's clearly standing completely in front of the TV, you know, I I just thought that was weird. I was like, he's kind of drooling over his sister. And I know he's not, but for some reason, that's the way it looks. Yeah, it is weird, the placement. (laughs) The placement. You're like, wait, what's going on here? And I truly just think that that's blocking. Like, I think that shot blocking is all that is. For Um, sure. But you you do find out that... That the parents are out. You don't know where they are. You don't know how long they're gone for. But you know that she is responsible for Jesse basically all night. And I, I'm wondering, did the parents go out to a date and then they got basically picked up by the military because the whole town is is evacuated? Oh. So I, I don't know. They, they don't do a good job kind of putting the whole overall story together of what's going on because then is it the same town that you know they closed down during the night is it still evacuated when they lost the barrel well again i this came out the year after the gate came out and almost the same premise in the gate is what is in return of living dead the sister and the brother are in the house the parents go off on a date or vacation or whatever leave them alone the next door neighbor is an outcast kid who comes over. They're in like a subdivision that's practically empty and they get into trouble. I'm hmm. like, oh, did it, did they, did they cop? What's going on here? <laughs> I, I can see the cover for the gate, but I never watched it. Uh, I kind of want to go back and, and rewatch it because actually, yeah, I, I'll come back to that at the end of this, at the end of this movie because I've, I've, Amazon, on, Amazon on Prime, that. baby. Amazon Prime. Yeah. Nice. Okay, cool. I'll probably higher probability of checking it out now. (laughs) Um, All right. Where was I? Okay. So now back at the sewer, Billy and his goon are messing around with the canister. They they put in the wrong code, which causes the thing to open. (laughs) That does not make any sense at all uh, because there's like this digital code on there and they hit some buttons and it light comes up red. You would think that, okay, it stays locked, but no, that means that it's going to vent the entire canister (laughs) of gas in their face and they they get it right in the face they run out of there choking and you know coughing all this kind of stuff and the gas the smoke 
follows them out and since they're right next to the graveyard the smoke just engulfs the entire graveyard and it basically it's it's starting to get everywhere then we start seeing some rain again so they're they're really going with the whole return of the living dead one where the rain the whole trying to try and do all the pieces uh, of return of the living dead one you know throwing them all into the the pot and hopefully something sticks right yeah yeah and, and it's cool it's a cool scene because it really sets the tone for. Um, I really wish they would have used the original music from the the first movie in that that you know just just an homage to the first one. But it is well done. The smoke is cool, and as it enters into uh, Ed and Joey in the, uh, mausoleum the mausoleum or whatever, yeah, you know, we're working on the on the corpses. It, it's a nice, <laughs> cool little continuation of like, oh, they're gonna get it too. <laughs> of course. Of course they are. It's their destiny, which is it's des- terrible. It's a destiny. <laughs> but is that uh, the point where when you get when you get to Joey and Ed and they're like and they're doing their little ro- they're robbing the corpses or whatever? Yeah, that's coming yeah. up right now. Yeah. Oh, okay. No, I was <laughs> I was gonna say I love some of the lines Ed has in this upcoming scene are. are a very choice. If you oh will. yeah, yeah. No, he's he's got some good lines in here. I I do enjoy because they're sitting there. Uh, they're they're finally found a corpse, you know. And she, you know, of course, Ed makes comments of how she was probably a looker back in her day, all that kind of stuff, you know. Uh, they cut the head off and then shove it in a bag and and you know joey's the one holding the bag and it's like now you know what a bag man means like the name bag man means but uh, here's what's funny he starts taking the ring it starts taking the ring off of the corpse and that's when joey's like no no okay i'm done here you know yeah and it's like it's like come on man which which what's she gonna care like seriously and then he's then he points at her like bracelet or something it's like wouldn't your girlfriend like a new bracelet and gives that to joey and joey puts it in his pocket so yeah and, and we didn't talk about it, but joey's getting 100 bucks for tonight which in 1988 i think is more like closer to 175 today it's almost double so <laughs> well so not, for a couple hours of work that's not that's bad really not terrible but yeah you have to have a strong stomach for it though <laughs> yeah i love ed ed son ed's when he's looking at the corpse he's like uh, nice bit of a rump on her <laughs> something like that and he's like looks yeah. choice and that's the only uh, the only other time i've ever heard someone say the use that term choice oh that is so choice uh the other movie was the uh wildlife with uh the sequel to fast time to ridgemont high and oh. i think that that was used a couple times in that movie and i remember it was one of those terms that people tried to get over but it just didn't get over i'm like oh okay cool they did use that more than once in a movie Sweet. <laughs> they try to push it in 1988. Choice. Come on, baby. It's choice. But yeah, this is when, yeah, Joey smells it and he's like, ah, oh, do you smell that? And that's kind of like where that ends. And then we're back in Jesse's room and he pulls out a comic book. And the comic book features a superhero kind of like fighting a muck monster, fighting like something in the sewers, and he's losing his powers because of, he's getting sick because of it. And so Jesse is kind of like, okay, piecing things together. But did you notice the name of the superhero? Yeah, Masterman. Yeah, <laughs> Masterman. What kind of horrible, terrible name? And sadly, like the artwork was actually good. The yeah. the, the design of the superhero was was decent. Why did you Masterman? What a horrible name! Come up with something. Just at least call him like Laser Guy or something. But Masterman. <laughs> Masterman sounds like he's like a superhero of, of like slave owners or something, right? Like <laughs> he's the Masterman. 
<laughs> I mean, come on. But yeah, that was terrible. It, that was terrible. But because of it, you know, he, he's kind of piecing things together because he looks out the window and he sees Billy and his goon friend coming back to their house. And it's it's raining, by the way. And they're running in the rain and they're coughing and everything. So he's like, oh, oh, he's he, Jesse's like, oh, my God, they're sick. I, and he's piecing it together, of course. I mean, he's a genius, clearly, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's, <laughs> yeah, he's he's really smart, to, you yeah. know, judging by the, the their actions of like, doubling over themselves. So. And how lucky is he? Is it that he has the exact comic that he needs to see right in front of him? You know, right at that moment to kind of piece everything together. But that's that's called living in a movie, right there. It could have been done so much better. Just yeah. even the minor details of the comic book, because I paused it to see what it looked like and like what they put up in the upper corner where the the logo would be. And it wasn't anything special. And I'm like, oh, you could have you could have been so funny, you know, or like punny or whatever. But yeah. they didn't. They did. That's pretty indicative of the entire movie. <laughs> There's so many yeah, places you could have done something, but you don't. Yeah. Um, we do get a scene real quick of the army and Colonel Glover uh, is. They're kind of like set up in an, in a camp scenario, and they have they're basically checking canisters, and so you know that one's missing. And he just says, you know, Jesus Christ, not again. And it's same actor as Return of the Living Dead one, so there's that connective tissue right there. Um, back at Jesse's house, uh, Jesse's trying to sneak out, but the cable guy shows up and he kind of like has to sneak into the closet. The cable guy flirts with Jesse's sister. You find out that the cable guy went to the same high school as she did, but he graduated the year prior. And, um, the, specifically the director specifically wanted, uh, what's his name? Ashbury. Shoot. What was his name again? Ashwood. Oh, Tom Essex. Tom Essex. Uh, yeah, there you go. And so the director specifically wanted Tom Dana. Uh, there it is, Dana Ashbrooks, uh, which is Tom Essex is the character. Dana Ashbrook is the actor. He specifically wanted Dana Ashbrook, but he said that he had terrible acne, and uh, the the, the uh, actor, the actor Dana Ashbrook, had terrible acne. But uh, uh, the director said. <laughs> He goes, well, I had bad uh, acne growing up as a kid, so I knew what basically what antibiotics to he should have. So I just sent him to the dermatologist. Dermatologist put him on these antibiotics, and bada bing, bada boom, it was all cleared up. And I'm like, I kind of know what you you probably put him on Accutane, which is a very strong yeah. acne medicine where you actually oh, have geez. to check your your blood work every few weeks because it can really actually mess up your kidneys. I I was on Accutane. I actually did that. It cleared everything up, and I've never had acne ever ever again. I didn't even have it that bad, but it is a strong strong medicine. And I just thought it was weird that the director. First off, why didn't you know Dana Ashbrook's parents do that to begin with, right? If it was that bad, but then it's just so weird that the director is like, "No, no, I, I, I want him, so I'm going to clear up his acne for him, and here's how you do it." <laughs> yeah, it just speaks to the perver- uh, per- perversity of Hollywood, where they're like, "Oh, I can take that, I can take care of that for you. I'm a doctor. I play one on TV. <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. No, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> yeah, um, that's great. Fun fact." <laughs> Fun fact, if you want to clear up your acne. But again, I keep forgetting what his his character's name is, which is, is I guess, what was it? Tom Essex, isn't it? Yes, there you go, Tom. Yeah, I keep just calling him Cable Guy. It's such a, it's such a g- generic name, Tom Essex. Yeah, and he, yeah, 
we'll get to it later because because at one point I'm like he's he's really it doesn't he say he it's just like he's new to the job or something because she he's three hours late or something like that. Well, he said yeah or no he he got lost because the development is new, which oh, yeah, I think. Yeah. That, that makes sense to me, yeah. and you got to put yourself back in 1988 shoes. There's no Google Maps on your phone, so if you if you messed up and you took a wrong turn and you didn't realize it, you have to start backtracking, and if you can't figure out like where to restart your, your – you know, that – Guys and gals, anyone under the age of 30, if you're listening to this, they were dark times to, to be driving back in the 80s. Because if you got lost, <laughs> well, just just watch uh, just watch um, uh, National Lampoon's Vacation and find out what happens <laughs> if you get lost in the wrong side of town. <laughs> or watch Judgment Night with or, Emilio yes. Estevez yes. and Cuba Gooding Something Jr. Little, yes, a little bit Jeremy more extreme. <laughs> more extreme <laughs> than Hockey Lips. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just slightly. God, I love honky lips. All right, so uh, so Jesse basically sneaks out of the house. Uh, he goes over to Billy's house, and he, he wants to go talk to Billy, and he tells Billy's mom that he has Billy's homework for him. He's got to show it to him. So, okay, he runs upstairs, and he's like, I know what you did. Yeah, you opened that canister, didn't you? And Billy's like, you tell anybody your ass is grass. I loved it because he specifically said your ass is grass. And I was like, man, <laughs> yeah. I, rem- I, I, I miss your ass is grass. No one says that anymore, and I don't know why because it's still so very effective. Why, why did it, it go away? Why did it disappear? You want to bring it back? Yes, let's bring it back. Yeah, you bring that back. I'll bring back choice. Yeah, there you go. A great choice, guys. Make it make it happen. <laughs> um, mom, the mom says that Billy's cold, so I think that you know you're starting to get a little indication that he's turning into a zombie. And uh, so Jesse knows he'd open the the canister, and Jesse runs back to the graveyard. In the sewer, Jesse goes in there and investigates, and he's basically looking for the number, the army number that's on the canister. Again, this is smarter than I probably, anything I ever would have done at the age of whatever Jesse is. He's probably, what, 14, 13, no, probably 12, something like that. He's real, he's small. Yeah, he's he seems like he's 12. Okay, yeah. So I don't know if I would have had, A, the guts the cojones to go into that sewer to go get the army number and i don't know if i would have even thought of to do that yeah i mean he is about to stumble upon some nasty shit but I, it makes sense why he goes back because he wants to help the kids i guess i, I mean he, he he knows something's going down he, yeah you got to and, and help his yeah. help his pseudo friends but he's also yep. smart enough to put like a uh goggles on and uh, like a mouthpiece you know like a one of those filter masks for yeah for he's smart allergies. Kid. it's a, yeah, it's he's a good not, character he's, yeah, very, very cool, very cool. Um, and then he, he writes the number down. He does get the number, but he also gets the attention of Tarman 2.0. So Tarman 2.0 is played by Tarman 1.0, but mm-hmm. the guy who made Tarman 2.0 is the same guy who made Tar- Tarman 1.0. And uh, he said on the documentary that he is very, very upset by Tarman 2.0. Because he had so much more work to do on Return of the Living Dead Part 2, Tarman 2.0 just did not turn out the way he wanted it to. And that oh, was really? like a... Yeah, even now that's kind of like a big uh, thing for him, it's, it seems like. But yeah, it was it it was not really... like It didn't turn out the way he wanted it to. I don't think Tarman 2.0 is 
terrible looking. Mm. Um, I, I don't I like. I him. don't think he's terrible looking, but I, he's not as good as Tarman One That's for sure. It's different, and like, and, and maybe it, it, he's different looking. Uh, he's still really effective. I I wrote down that he was for me. It was it still creeped me out that scene. He's the he's the best zombie in this in this movie. He, hands down. Yeah, hands down he's the best zombie in in the movie. That that is for sure. And I do think he is creepy. His eyeballs look neat and his his meltingness looks cool. Um but he still just does not look as good as Tarman 1.0 though. Yeah. Yeah. I I agree. It's just but overall I still I still liked him. Yeah. I'm, no, I'm with you. I'm 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 with you 100. Uh, percent I do like how Jesse kind of duped him. He kind of got Tarman to chase him to the opening of the sewer system where there's like a little bit of a fall off, and yeah, he kind of runs out cool. and then runs to the side. And then when Tarman kind of walks out looking for him, he just kind of comes up behind him and pushes him. Now, as a kid, I was always grossed out about it, the fact that he had to touch Tarman with yeah, his bare hands. I was yeah. uh, I was like, oh god, that's so gross. And then now. Tarman Tarman's in the water system, by the way. He's just floating yeah. away at this point. Yeah, and his and whatever toxins are on him are just carrying into the water. Mm-hmm. Heck yeah, just away it goes, off <laughs> downstream, and the problem continues. I think I had a moment though. It was at this moment, or maybe it was later on in the movie. I had a moment that the zombies, unlike other zombie movies, these zombies don't turn other humans into zombies by their by biting them we had that we had that discussion on the last uh episode about return of the living dead one we tried to figure out where like who got turned and what who didn't and the only thing that we could sort of track or logically put to it was that the people who came back after being attacked were submerged in the contaminated rainwater whereas the people who didn't come back after being attacked were the people like scuzz who were bitten inside and I don't think that that much thought was actually put into it, but that's the way the movie sort of tracks the logic of it. And okay. and here too, it's it's such a loosey goosey sort of like you know who comes back and who doesn't, you know, because you you the people who they eat their brains they don't come back. So no. you know, I it seems more this one seems more of the dead that comes out of the ground or the dead that are walking around, not so much people that are bitten except or, or people like current alive people except for tom or eddie ed and joey except for them but they were also breathed in the gas yeah 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 they weren't bitten or anything like that right exactly um now jesse's running through the graveyard because he you know escaped the tar man and i actually really like this he sits down next to a, a grave and i love how how very little pomp and circumstance there is to the hand coming out of the ground he's just kind of like sitting there and he just notices just some movement and he's like what the hell and then the hand comes out and that you know he gets shocked at everything but there isn't like some big you know screech sound or something to kind of like give you that shock moment it's just man if if you didn't look down you wouldn't have seen it and that's what i really enjoyed about this little scene right here of how freaky would it be for you to just be sitting sitting next to a grave and then just no sound no nothing just seen a little hand come out of the ground coming for you you know yeah it's it's effective i would have wished the music was was a little more intense at that point and i think this is probably the 
the problem with the edited version on iTunes that I watched because the music was really not effective at all. It wasn't creepy at all. It was, it yeah. was very like generic. And I'm like, oh man, the music could have made this more so much more intense. I almost wish, knowing that I was going to watch it twice, I almost wish I watched it once your way and, and you know once the Blu-ray way just so I can know what the difference to the score is because, again, it never took me out of it so i can only yeah. just assume that it was it's just the way it always had been probably in my head so kind of just it was just another piece of the nostalgic puzzle puzzle that fit in but seeing you know how much it affected you i i i see how much music does affect the nostalgic you know enjoyment of the movie oh yeah yeah music is so important and it can for me it can make or break a movie a tone of a movie or yeah. lack of music, you know, <laughs> <laughs> or the wrong there, there's music, a, music. There's a, there's a great movie that one of my personal favorite kind of B movies, it's called Jake speed. And it's got a killer soundtrack by Mark snow who went on to do X file, the music for the X files. And in the, the music through the whole movie is great. And the energy is awesome. And then around the third act, the music just drops out for 15 minutes. There's no music. For 15 minutes and hmm. you're like what happened to them where'd the music go what and it's so weird yeah. and it, it what, changes what's, the what's the reason for it i don't know i have to do a little bit of research there's a, a new version finally it's getting the blu-ray treatment next month from arrow video i think which is a great horror like kind of underground cult movie distributor and there's going to be a documentary on there and so hopefully they'll talk about the lack of music for the 10 to 15 minutes because you're like wait dude, this scene could use some music right now this real life doesn't have music but this isn't real life so you know, <laughs> come on people throw me a bone here well let me know let me know what happens if you actually watch that i'm curious i will i'm oh i'm buying i already ordered pre-ordered the DV, the blu-ray so nice well, Jesse gets the fuck out of Dodge at this point, and why wouldn't you? You know, just there's nothing you can do. You've lost complete oh, control yeah. of everything. <laughs> uh, and yeah, this is the scene. Uh, the, all the dead start coming out of the ground, and they really go for humor first. We should have said this at the top of the um, the, the episode, but I mean, the director said that from the get go, his yep. mandate. And his to himself was since Return of the Living Dead one was you know more horror comedy with you know horror with a little bit of comedy elements he wanted to be separate himself from the first movie and really focus on the comedy in this film and this movie was he just was like let's put the the comedy first and foremost any sort of little horror things you know that that will come later basically and this scene is i think a prime example of that and i mean the 12 year old me loved it i thought it was funny when the zombie steps on the other zombie's hand i thought it was funny when the zombie adjusts their tie i thought it was funny when a zombie stepped on another zombie's head and i think it's because it allows me as a young kid to get into the movie and it almost becomes a gateway into horror films but it's not that scary so you can kind of it honestly i don't even think it should have an r rating to be truthful with you and this the scene where the zombie gets shot in half is what got the movie the r rating they said they actually could have gotten a pg-13 rating without it and i think it would have been better served as pg-13 
Yeah, this this definitely should have been PG thirteen, and I, I yeah, as as cheesy as the uh, the zombies are in that scene, it is entertaining. The the one um, zombie with the with the old lady glasses that she's adjusting, I think it's really funny. I do too. Yeah, I, I it it it's entertaining. It's like uh, it's like a Michael Jackson thriller video a little bit, you know, where the zombies are very colorful, and you're like, okay, this is fun. We're in for this was a little bit of a I think for for zombie purists maybe a jump the shark moment where you're like oh no is this where zombie the zombie genre is going to go downhill because now we're parodying uh, what zombies do but no it didn't I mean it went it went through its rough period clearly uh, it, but, de- yeah it definitely came back post jumping the shark but yeah you're, you're right I think like this and like maybe video of the dead are probably two examples of like we zombies are big but we don't want to make a traditional zombie movie so how do we kind of flip the the genre on its head and do something different with it and yeah I'm sure yeah. at the time if I was like my age now and I'm watching you know back in 88 and I was watching Return of the Living Dead part 2 I probably would have fucking hated it man I would have been like this is stupid <laughs> but as a kid, it it allowed me to to really get into horror movies and and get used to them because it was it's a kid friendly movie. And the whole time I'm watching it, I realize this is more of a kid adventure film. Like like Goonies, it's not on the same pedestal as Goonies. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that, but it's more of a kid adventure film than it is a horror movie. And I think that's the thing I actually really like about it. Yeah. I again not to bring it up more than again not to bring it up again but I am but the gate that came out the year prior similar premise like kids battling demonic forces on their own yeah you know this, this premise of like I forget what what did home alone come out in 88 or maybe 89 like I don't know but but there was a fascination during this time period of like kids being on their own handling their business you know, little Shermie, another blonde, toe-headed <laughs> fuck from uh, Terrorvision. You know, yeah, little Sherman, yeah, yeah, ha- Sherman, take care of business, and uh, Grandpa it, just taking care of business while Sherman's <laughs> protecting the the family. <laughs> got got to, yeah. It's it. There's something something about these like uh, the the explorers, just yeah, kids, and you know, in varying dagger. degrees of danger. You know, this one yeah. this one's probably a little bit more danger because you know Billy and his goon friend died. Usually, the kids kind of don't die in the in the kid adventure movies, but this one kind of straddles that that you know that line. So that's I, and that's I, one just thing reminding I, I liked of, it why this uh, another reason why potentially even though they didn't talk about it it could have got an r rating is what ends up having a billy at the end but you know because it's <laughs> yeah. a little kid but yeah, yeah no yeah. yeah it's that probably does does not did not help their case at all well they wanted yeah. an r rating though that's the thing they actually they wanted it we're we're saying you know we wish they had gotten a pg-13 i think that would have probably done better if it had a pg-13 rating maybe i don't know that's a weird thing because then i don't think it would have done as well with like the the teens right because when you were a kid and like you know say you're like 18 or something 17 which is what this movie's yeah. targeted for if it was pg-13 you would not have seen it i would not have seen it i would have said oh no and even now like if i see a horror movie or even worse i see like a shark movie and i'm like it's pg-13 i'm like okay that just means there's gonna be no good deaths in it right like yeah. i stay away from pg-13 movies but watching this movie now i'm like it would have been better served as PG thirteen because I think it's it is more of a a kid a kid adventure film. Yeah, agreed. So the dead 
come out of their their graves and they're having all kinds of fun, right? Brenda thinks she hears Joey and kind of goes into the uh, the cemetery to investigate. We cut inside the mausoleum. Joey and Ed are kind of like taking a break from things or just kind of like, you know, talking about stuff and everything. It's it's all fun and everything. Um it's funny. Outside Brenda sees basically her first zombie, and it's the one that's kind of like peeking around the tree. And I like the noise that it's making because it's kind of got this weird baby noise the zombie does. It's kind of like, oh, oh," you know, it's kind of like they got this, they do these weird, inquisitive sort of baby sounds for the zombies. And I find it to be highly disturbing. Not cute, (laughs) not funny, not scary. I just find it to be disturbing. And I like that. I like that there's these nanoseconds. Of, of disturbing visuals in this movie but that's surrounded by by you know silliness but so she you know she's like well screw this she turns around to go run away and of course typical you know she runs into a zombie that's right outside of her frame you know and this is when she she punches the zombie in the face we get a really good gag visual effects gag of where she punches the zombie and her hand goes into its head it, into its face green <laughs> ooze is everywhere and of course the zombies doing like this these hand things like like i can't you know i i like that i do like when the yeah. zombies surprised by its own you know mortality <laughs> i liked it i i thought it was funny i i was like wait is this is this the way you kill a zombie potentially but it wasn't well, sadly, that zombie is now going to be just walking around with its face caved in. Yeah, so, and he can't feed on anybody. Exactly. Sucks for sucks for that dude. Inside the mausoleum, Ed is like eating his sandwich next to the uh, a grave, uh, not a grave, like a like a coffin that they have open. I guess they were going to probably take that guy's skull next, but they hadn't gotten around to it. And Ed and Joey are talking and Joey is looking at Ed and you see in his eyes as the hands start coming up out of the the coffin next to Ed. And again, I like how the camera doesn't zoom in. The camera doesn't like there's no big strings that they play. It's just there's no sound. There's just the hands are there and like if you weren't paying attention, that's what's kind of I guess scary is if is if Joey wasn't looking at Ed, he wouldn't have even noticed it because it was so silent. But you know, the zombie sits up. Joey's like, "What the fuck?" And I do like all of Tom <laughs> Matthews's reactions in in this scene because yeah, he's like, too. "Ed, is there something I should know?" <laughs> you know, and and Ed's like choking on his apple, and Tom smacks his back like. You can tell that there's chemistry between the actors, and it doesn't necessarily it, – it translates to the characters, but it's not necessarily written in to the characters. But because yeah. the actors have so much chemistry and so much clear clear love for each other, uh, it's it's great. It makes, it makes the two characters work, and uh, – Tom, Tom, I keep calling him Tom. Joey tries to to kill the zombie by crushing its head in with a crowbar, and it doesn't doesn't kill it. And again, this is the point where you're like, oh, okay, this is not Night of the Living Dead. Hitting him in the head is not going to kill them. So yeah. they pick up the bag with the zombie in it, and <laughs> they get the fuck out of Dodge. Didn't know I if like you wanted to scene. add anything there. No, I've got nothing to add. <laughs> no, that's fine. If, I, I figure if there's if there's like three seconds of dead silence when you're just looking at me, I'll just move on. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you cover all the bases though, because I'm like, yep, yep, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I will I will say 
I will say their chemistry in that scene was really effective. Um, there were moments later on in the movie where it didn't work for me, but that scene in particular was very entertaining. It, yeah, I, I wonder if that was filmed early on this scene because and their energy levels were probably still high or something. Yeah, and maybe they still had uh, they thought that the movie was going to be good, and then after a few weeks of working with the director, they're like, uh, the life starts fading out of their soul. Oh, <laughs> shit. Yeah, exactly. Outside in the graveyard, it's pandemonium. Zombies are everywhere. They're running around, and they, I mean, at this point, the director goes full like Three Stooges, where Joey and Ed run past Brenda and then they do the whole thing. Oh, oh, oh. And, you know, they recognize each other, eh, you know. So, like, okay. Yeah, we get it. It's it's whatever. And then Ed, which is James Karen's character, he goes on this thing where he thinks it's it's all him. So he's, like, praying to God, like, ah, Jesus, ah, it's my fault, you know. And then and and Joey keeps telling him, like, stand up, like, stop doing that. And, you know, that's that's funny. It goes on for a little bit, and and his character is just – at this point, Ed, James Karen's character, is just just losing his mind. He's just going, like, full-on – Fred, uh, not Freddy. He wasn't Freddy. He was Frank. Full on Frank. Like when Frank goes, like in, like just starts crying. That's how Ed. That's how he is for the the rest of the movie, essentially. In the, in the original one, he was. It was. It was funny because he wasn't. Uh, he was. He was crying all the time, but he wasn't pathetic as pathetic as this character was. This guy was so pathetic, and he was such a whiner, and like complaining the entire time and it actually really got annoying to me after a while especially when they're in the hospital and he's like yeah take me or whatever (laughs) uh and then in the first one i didn't feel that way about him i felt like everything was very purposeful and it made sense like he's in pain and and you know he's freaked out by what's happening this one was just like you know, oh dear god this is the worst day ever and it just i don't know for me it was like Come on, man. Pull your fucking pants up, dude. Like, come on, Frank, be a man. You know, it's like, <laughs> be a man, goddammit. It just, uh, it was just a different level of patheticness that just didn't work for me. Yeah. I, I totally, totally understand where you're, where you're coming from on that one. And, um, I mean, I don't, I don't personally agree 100%, but I totally see what you're saying. I still enjoyed him in this movie, uh, mm-hmm. but but yeah, it was it's it's a lesser. It's just a lesser version yeah, of Frank. Yeah. It really is. It's nothing to do with James Karen. I think James Karen was giving it his all, but it was just unfortunately a lesser character, a lesser movie. As much as both you and I mm-hmm. love this movie, we know that it's a lesser film. Even on paper, it's a lesser film. Yeah. Um, Jesse basically Jesse comes home covered in mud he scares scares his sister like because she's like turning off the lights in the kitchen and she sees him outside um (laughs) the cable guys yeah that was that was kind of cute the cable guy he's he's still there uh the sister takes. I wrote down I, I wrote down I'm like what the fuck are you doing Tom do your job dude like well, what are you doing still there? You know? I, I think he's. I think he's hitting on her. I think he's trying oh, to make clearly. it clearly. Yeah, but I'm like, God, what a loser! Like, get out of. The- <laughs> yeah, no, I totally. I know his motivation. Yeah, but yeah. From, from from the outside perspective, I'm like, did you? How long? Did you? Did you have other jobs to do tonight? <laughs> yeah, he's like, well, screw it. I'm not going out in the rain now. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> but even weirder. So the sister takes jesse upstairs and then 
locks him in his room and ties up the door <laughs> with so a weird. rope. And my first thought is, how irresponsible is that? Because if there's yeah, a dude. fire, if something happens. This is what this is what made sense in the eighties. Like <laughs> yeah. you torture you torture your siblings. Good. It's amazing how any of us survived the eighties, dude. Yeah, I was terrorized by my older brother, and and like he would he would probably you know and his friends too and and i think movies like this kind of fueled that like oh we're just gonna lock you in your room and you're fucked like wait no (laughs) that's not okay (laughs) that is not okay it is it's not okay it's not good at all (laughs) but no you think about like now that as a parent i'm like if my kid ever locked the door i'd be like you don't lock the door in there you know yeah don't do that until you're 13 Show, show them this movie uh, and, and, and tell them don't don't ever do this right here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, outside, Ed, Joey, and Brenda they're running through the neighborhood. So I guess I mean the graveyard must be just right over the ridge, essentially, uh, as as quickly as they can sort of get back and forth to this neighborhood. But the the graveyard's close by, so they're running through the neighborhood. As zombies are basically hot on their tail, and they run into Billy's parents. Uh, Billy's dad has a shotgun and he's like, and they're like, call you, mister, you gotta call the cops. There's people, you know, like zombies, this and that. And then like, I like you never even actually see the zombies chasing them, but you hear them. And then you see the look on Billy's dad's face when I guess he sees them. So he tells the the mom to kind of go back inside. They lock the door while Joey, Brenda and Ed kind of keep running you know and, and screaming uh jesse so then you're back we're back in jesse's house and he lights a match into this like container of powder that creates smoke that he blows under the door <laughs> which is genius the kid the kid's oh, a yeah. genius and yeah. sets off the fire alarm or the smoke alarm forcing the sister to kind of come upstairs to to open the door and when she does jesse runs into his parents room and closes the door and locks the door there like kind of like runs under her arms you know kind of thing i was like yeah. that he's smooth man he's he's yeah. he's smooth <laughs> no, and I, he, uh, I love it he's great I, I do too. I do too. I that's and I think I, I think you're right. I think especially, you know, as a kid watching this, you see the kid is the hero and unlike a lot of other movies, they don't make the kid a complete moron. So, it's a very good, you know, when when you're 12, 13 yourself, it's a great way to sort of be like, "Okay, you you can put yourself in his shoes," you know, even yes. though I think Jesse did far better than I ever would have in the same scenario at the same age. Which again makes sense why uh, it would be better off being a PG thirteen movie. Yeah, I think more kids would have seen it. I think that might have been it. Might have maybe wouldn't have done as well in box office, but I think it would have had a be- better long term like shelf life. I think people would have remembered it more fondly. Oh, I mean, it does have its fans. Return of the Living Dead two does have its fans, but I think it has a lot more uh, <laughs> haters than fans. <laughs> In, uh, for good reason <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah no as much as we love it i'm not gonna say it's a good movie at all <laughs> uh so outside ed joey and brenda see the cable truck that's parked out front of Je- jesse's place and they kind of like break into it and they steal it uh unfortunately they don't get very far because as they're driving and and ed and and joey are kind of you know bickering they see a zombie or they see a person they don't know it's a zombie they, they anyways they swerve to miss the person they kind of hit them and they hit a pat like a power 
box or something, essentially knocking out the phone lines for yeah. for the whole area. Uh, you know, pretty pretty convenient. Um, at the same time, Jesse was on the phone. He had called the number that was on the canister, and he was getting ready to talk to Colonel Glover. But right then, uh, it got cut off uh, because of what happened outside. Billy's dad runs outside with the shotgun to see what the heck's going on, and they they examine the person that you know they thought they hit and it that person turns out to be a zombie they sit up and it's a cool zombie too because it's a yeah it's a female with worms coming out of her face and i was like oh that's that's it's gross best zombie makeup in the movie in my opinion this one this one's good yeah one. I, I just liked it the, with, with, with the worms hanging out and the worms kind of like, you know. still wiggling yeah yeah that, me too that was cool yeah, it was very, it was a very, very memorable zombie. And as a kid, I always thought it was kind of like a, ugh, I always thought it was a freaky, gross zombie. And yeah, totally. uh, yeah, and she eats, she eats Billy Dad, Billy's dad's brains. So he's he's done. <laughs> uh, Ed, Joey, Brenda run into Tom, the cable guy, and they basically all run back towards the house. As Jesse and his sister are running out the front door because Jesse kind of got away from his sister again. She's chasing him, blah, blah, blah. But they all kind of bump together outside of the house, and then they kind of push them all back into the house, essentially. Um while they're fighting, uh okay. So they're yeah. So they're all in the they're all in the house, basically in the foyer, they lock the doors. And while they're all kind of like bickering again with one another, they're all fighting. This is like basically the whole gang now. It's, it's everybody. And they realize that Ed's bag is starting to move. And <laughs> Ed, played by James Karen, he's like, Aah! you know, he just starts freaking out and pulls the head out of the bag and it bites his finger, it, which I thought was still pretty funny. I liked it. Although, it's funny. Why, why would Ed even point to it to begin with? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then yeah, I have a yeah. lot of problems with this scene. <laughs> okay, all right, well, let me finish it, and then we'll dive into it. So Ed throws the head because it was on his finger, and the kid, the cable, the cable guy, Tom, stabs it in the head with a screwdriver, and we get the very famous scene: "Get that damn screwdriver out of my head!" And he throws it into the closet. Now. The the female the 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 voice was actually done by the I can't remember if it was Brian Peck who played Scuzz or the head special effects guy I think it was the latter but it okay. the voice was like apparently on set when they were working on some stuff that was just a voice that they did and it sort of evolved you know the type of thing where you, you got you do something to make jokes and you kind of keep yeah. the everyone's spirits high and that was sort of their thing so. They had him just do the voice of it, and it's oh, that's funny. It's terrible, but it's oh so memorable. It's memorable, but okay, first thing, even as a kid, I was like, "Wait, how can a head just talk? Where when it's are the is the throat still there and the vocal cords and how can it just it can't talk? Like, I, yeah, I would I, I would have been okay if it was the torso, you know, but but the head just can't talk." not okay and yeah and the finger pointing thing i'm like come on this is just not i remember as a kid being annoyed because i'm like no you just don't do that that's that's you know you're messing with conventions of conventions of a traditional 
horror film now even uh, but it makes sense that the director is you know oh it bugs me that he's not a horror fan because it's like oh then you know tom holland was a huge horror fan so it comes across with child's play and fright night and george romero loves the genre so it makes sense and dan o'bannon you know loves horror and messing with people but it's like then come on man like then you're making a parody you know or not even a parody like just a schlock you know you're essentially he's making this scene right here is three stooges just with yes, zombies three sto- you know? exactly three stooges yeah it's, it's slapstick mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's just slapstick it's just silly slapstick but again i think i i don't know i don't think either of us know exact dates or whatever but i'm fairly certain you were probably a couple of years older than me when you saw this movie and i think i just was in the perfect window where everything was just a-okay to me you know yeah and i, I yeah. do think that if i was a little bit older a little bit more seasoned veteran of these hardcore horror movies i probably would have been as put off by some of these things and i know you still enjoy the movie and everything um and i everything that you have problems with i 100 percent see now but for some reason as a kid it just it didn't affect me as much and i wonder i do wonder if we you and i had a bit of a probably one or two year difference of of seeing the film and i wonder if that made it made a difference in our enjoyment of it yeah i think my my 12 year old self always loved i did not like horror comedies I just didn't when I was that age and still kind of don't if unless they're done really well, like Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. Um, that's I, I think that's why I've got some issues with Dead Heat as much as I do like that movie, um, because I always wanted it to I, I wanted to be the one of the characters in the movie. Right. So um, I, I, I always wanted to identify with somebody so I could kind of carry on the storyline. And and I do still do this to this day. Sometimes when I'm trying to fall asleep at night, I have this zombie scenario because zombie the zombie genre is my favorite horror genre subgenre. And I have a when I go to sleep at night, it, maybe it, instead of counting sheep or trying to find a way to calm myself to fall asleep at night, I go through this zombie scenario that I've had in my head for the better part of thirty years, and it's the same kind of storyline where I'm there's an invasion and I'm trying to get away and you know we're getting in a helicopter and we're flying off to an island and uh it, it uh, you know I won't I won't bore you with it but I will say like it was it was always very dramatic and intense that's why the Dawn of the Dead remake when that came out I was like yes you totally captured what I wanted as a kid and now as an adult I love it um so that being said watching this movie hope it knowing the original was funny but was still really intense and dramatic and then watching this and going oh come on with the talking head and get the damn screwdriver <laughs> out of my head I'm like come on really oh man so anyways continue yeah no i'm <laughs> dude i'm i'm with you zombie movies were my favorite as a kid that was my favorite subgenre of horror movies uh my highest compliment that i can give dawn of the dead remake is if I were to make a zombie movie, I would have made that. That would have been the zombie movie that I made. I love that movie. I think it's fantastic. I love Land of the Dead, but I also love Day of the Dead. So I like my zombie stuff to be very bleak, very post-apocalyptic. I like the whole entire world being just destroyed. Um, So I'm with you, man. And again, 
if I was watching this now for the first time, I would not have been too thrilled with it at this age and how much <laughs> I, I love zombie stuff. I The nostalgia, for me, nostalgia is the glue that holds my love for this movie together because yeah, this movie has a lot of faults. <laughs> um, yeah. They basically, zombies start attacking the house, typical, start breaking in. The They said, we need a car to get out of here. Jesse knows that... Doc, the doctor has a car, so they we kind of get a, a scene where they run out of the house first, but then Tom stays behind for no reason other than to see the zombies come through the door and yeah. then get attacked by a zombie only for the gag of while he's on the ground wrestling with the zombie, they accidentally turn on the TV, the exercise video starts playing, and the zombie that Tom is fighting gets distracted by the video to the point where he's just watching it completely and Tom just gets up and like walks out of there. And I think yeah. it, it kind of distracts the other zombies too, it looks like. So I was like, oh, I, I didn't, you know, I, I that whole little extra bit, which probably took about, you know, what, two, two, three minutes and probably took them two days to film. It was all <laughs> for the bit of the zombie being distracted by the aerobics video. And that's it, just to get a laugh so that yeah. was completely done for a laugh <laughs> i mean it, it was funny i will say yeah. it was it was funny uh but yeah yeah it made no sense why tom would stay behind other than that and makes sense <laughs> yeah i mean that was that was tom his character did that just so they could have that that scene right there which is for me i think that's what we, we always have problems with when characters do something for movie logic and not for yeah. real life logic that's yeah. always where the problem comes in and that was very much apparent in in that situation right there um in the neighborhood zombies are now pretty much like everywhere uh they have to our survivors have to go through one house like a like a house that's under construction in order to get to the doctor's house and we have a funny little scene where the zombie is walking behind the sister but he's like mimicking her her footsteps so that yeah, she wouldn't funny. hear it and i was like it, it was a little bit of thought put into it but yeah i like it, that it's okay. I mean, it's funny. Again, another yeah. another gag. You know, she turns around. You know, it, it's ah, and then the Tom comes in, rescues her, stabs the zombie against the wall, and the zombie's just sort of stuck against the wall. But I liked how his arms are kind of like it can't get the the poker out of his chest. You know, because like his arms are kind of stuck. I like yeah, that me. was funny too. Yeah, at, at this point now, it, you have to just give in to the full blown absurdity of the whole movie. And I yeah, I remember that scene feeling like because they they hold the camera on that zombie a little too long, and I'm like. Are they, is he going to rip his body in half or what's, you know, but whatever. It, yeah. It was, yeah. It, it was fine. It is what it yeah. is. It was fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at this point, yeah, whatever they're going to throw at me, you know, like it doesn't matter now. It's, it's, no. there's no, no logic, no, it. no, nothing to this. Um, Billy back at Billy's house, actually, uh, we go, we see Billy's mom and she's like in the house and everything, wondering where the dad is. And she goes downstairs and see the front doors kind of ajar. And she looks outside, the dad's being eaten and she screams and runs back in the house. And when she's in the foyer, Billy comes walking down the stairs and she's like, Oh, you know, you're better. You know, she goes to hug him. And then Billy (laughs) chomps into her head and it sounds like an apple, like someone biting into an apple. And I love the look on the mom's face. She didn't scream or nothing, or just she just her eyes get big, and that's it. I was like, that. I thought that was effective. I thought that was effective a little bit. That was. This is actually my favorite scene in the entire movie. 
Uh, oh, cool. Where, yeah, because I replayed it over and over because the look on her face is <laughs> it goes from like kind of pleasant and happy to who just farted kind of look you know and it's exactly i i think my brother and i would rewind the scene over and over again just to see the look because it it's so absurd like you know you're, you're having a good time everyone's like having and some some rips a loud fart and like what the what was that <laughs> it's yeah. it's funny to hear like the things that you attach to and you gravitate towards you know and it's you yeah. know obviously it's like it's inside <laughs> jokes between you and your brother just like the things that i gravitated towards are probably inside jokes with me and luke you know stuff that we yeah. talked about but it's never in a million years would i assume that that scene right there was the one that you had an affinity for the one you know and it's, yeah, and it's I, for I don't something know why completely I just had to silly keep... it, it's yeah, just it's... a joke <laughs> Yeah, I like I think I think I had on one level had a lot of problems with it because I'm like, what? No, she should be screaming. And on the other hand, I'm like, no, it's actually pretty funny, though, (laughs) because they do it again later in the movie. And you're like, okay, this is this is what happens. People are kind of almost like, oh, brain dead. Yeah. Oh, my brain. It doesn't hurt that bad. It's not that bad. (laughs) Oh, okay. Was that what all it was? Okay. Yeah. That wasn't a big deal. So (laughs) Um, the gang break into the doctor's garage they have a little you know interaction with the doctor he seems drunk or something so he's like a, well, a drinker he, i guess a great line to, to, to jesse because he's like why aren't you playing in traffic <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's, he's kind of like got this antagonistic vibe to him but at the same yeah. time he's pretty freaking cool about things especially yeah. them you know stealing his car yeah his cool car that apparently is the same car as the christine car yes from the yep. stephen king film christine and done on purpose as an homage. So that's, I yeah. guess that's, I guess the director liked that horror movie. Ken Wiederhorn, come on, dude. <laughs> come on. Okay. Come on, Ken So they, they basically drive out of the garage door. The whole gang is in the car. They blow through the garage door. They get away from the zombies, except there's, you know, one zombie holding on to the roof that, that we don't really, they don't really know about right away. But as they're driving through, they see, you know, all the zombies are in the, the you know, they see all the zombies in the little, the little cul-de-sac area. And he even sees Billy, you know, the Billy zombie. Um, but Jesse does, but, uh, in the backseat, Ed and Joey are kind of looking pretty, you know, they're getting pretty bad right now. And, uh, Ed, Ed thinks he's going to throw up. So the doctor's like, you better stick your head out the window. So he rolls down the window and he's going to about to put his head out there and there's a zombie on the roof. It attacks him and he kind of like gets back in the car and the, they rolls up, they roll up the window and it cuts off the zombie's hand. And now we have this like three minute scene where the hand is bouncing through the car. People are, they're they're essentially playing hot potato with it. Yes. And it's just till it eventually just crunches down on the doctor's balls. Like, (laughs) (laughs) on his on his like 70 year old man dangling balls you know and and they finally ah you know he's like ah i don't know why i sounded like arnold right there but god and and he you know grabs the hand throws it out the window and i did like how the hand made a made a middle finger on the street you know at them yeah i mean we, we we do know that the every body part is still animated jumping around from the first one when they chop all the party parts up or whatever. Yeah. But, uh, and, and, and so that is funny. The little pink. Yeah. Finger. I like that. Yeah. That's funny. 
and this is where we get a little interaction between Ed and Joey, uh, Tom Matthews and James Karen character where Ed, Joey, the younger one, Tom Matthews, he's like, it feels like a dream. It feels like we've been here before you, me, them, he, you know, you look outside and see the zombies. And that was just kind of their acknowledgement to the fact that they're using the same actors and the same actors are going through the same <laughs> problems as they did in the first movie because they had one of the actors, you know, uh, acknowledge it. And, you know, as a kid, I actually thought it was kind of neat that they did that. It kind of gave the movie some kind of weird, bigger mythos to it that I yeah. was, you know, sort of unsure about. But, yeah, I mean, and that wasn't at all probably, you know, intended by the writer, the, who is the director. I, he probably didn't care. He was probably like, well, I just got to address it. But uh, for me, my 12, 13-year-old mind, I was like, oh, it's kind of neat. Like, it kind of alludes to something bigger and more metaphysical or something. I don't know, you know? You're way more, uh, uh, I was going to say intelligent, but you're way more given this more thought than he probably did. Probably <laughs> yeah. just like, ah, whatever. Just throwaway line. I'm Ken Wiederhorn, damn it. <laughs> I'm shockwaves, damn it, shockwaves. So they go to the hospital. They're driving through town. They go to the hospital, and it's abandoned. No one's in there. And they put Ed and Joey on, you know, two tables, and they start like the doctor starts basically checking them out and, and seeing what the deal is. And they're they're not looking good. And you know, the doctor's just it's all for jokes and everything. But he, he's doing his job. He's checking them out. And Jesse and his sister and Tom are driving around the town, and they're commenting on the fact that no one's around. Uh, they go to the police station, but they find the doors are locked. And while they're there, the sister sees a group of people. And of course, she's like, hey, hey, over here. And they're zombies. So they come running <laughs> at them and they get in the car. Car doesn't start right away, but, you know, it does. So they kind of they kind of get out of there. And, you know, you basically know now that you know, the police aren't coming. They're not going to be any help. They're still driving through the city, but now it looks much more like Pasadena because I'm sure that's where they were. And there happened to just be by Jesse and his sister's grandparents house all the lights are on and everything they they go inside no one's there but they start taking the guns and whatnot and we find out that the sister is like a champion shooter like she's like her junior class champion uh i guess target person you know someone who shoots guns or whatever yeah and so you know she's capable is what they're trying to say and it never comes into play for the rest of the movie because when the zombie is attacking jesse later at the at the at the the hospital uh tom's the one that shoots the zombie so she the girl doesn't shoot anybody even though she's the champion uh, junior class champion shooter i I wrote down right before the scene um I, i don't know if it's tom or lucy telling jesse that they need to work together as a team and he's like, teams suck. <laughs> Something like that, which I think is great. It's a great line. And I wrote down, yeah, well, Lucy sucks when she was like, hey, help, you know, I need your help. I got, I got, hello, you dingbat. This, come on, we're, zombie apocalypse. Lucy does and not it, do much in this movie. No, she does not do much. And she's kind of a worthless character. Uh, and yeah, when she gets the guns, you're like, holy shit, we're going to see some you know Terminator action go down. But no, it no. doesn't happen. And and again, no. this movie came out the same year as Phantasm Two, and I feel Phantasm Two explores the idea of Joe Schmo picking up guns and 
using them to the best of their abilities in 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 my opinion one of the best ways a horror film has ever done it this movie maybe quite possibly does it when one of the worst ways with a great setup there's a great setup and they're just like yeah we're you know it's like it would be like leatherface having the chainsaw and not using the chainsaw she's a champion marksman you want her to fucking start like picking people off left and right yeah like like on the roof you wanted her to be like the sniper guy in dawn the dead remake on the roof just like picking people off like like it was a setup for her to be something other than just someone who stands there and, and screams she doesn't even really scream that much like she just doesn't do anything and it I could have been a great blame. opportunity yep and we can blame the director slash writer for that so ken <laughs> we know who to blame god damn ken Wiederhorn. god damn it ken so <laughs> the gang return uh ed and joey are worse worse than they when they left they're looking real bad the doctor kind of explains that they're dead and, you know, it's all it's it's more humorous than in the first movie where they kind of explain, you know, how what's happening and everything. But it's still essentially the same beats where someone, a doctor, a knowledge character, kind of like the paramedics in the first movie, is there to kind of give you the symptoms and then tell you what's happening to kind of push forward that they're dying. And uh, it not as effective at all as, as the first movie, but it does. No, because it, Brenda is not she's not very sympathetic as a girlfriend she's very whiny and like yeah she's kind of bitchy and and at this point yeah the, she's like we should have gone dancing or something like that or maybe that comes in later uh but it's yeah, yeah. It, it's 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 like so much potential there to be so much more but it just didn't work yeah it's now it's it, unfortunately she was more of a pretty face than a than a pretty mind <laughs> sadly she's a damn good pretty face she is. She very much is. Uh, it does give Jesse a chance to sneak off and, I guess, explore the hospital. I, I'm not quite sure why. But he takes an elevator and goes down to, like, another room, another area of the hospital uh, where there's where there's a speaker. And it kind of brings a zombie to him. And he, he has to fight the zombie. He shoots the zombie. It knocks the gun out of his hand and knocks him to the ground. But it also, uh, you know, alerts Tom to that something's happening. So the zombies kind of closing in on Jesse and Tom comes out of the elevator with the shotgun and uh, Jesse's sisters with him, Lucy, and Tom shoots the zombie with twice with both barrels, blows the thing in half in what is the best gag, the best zombie gag in the movie. And the reason that the movie even has an R rating is because he blows that zombie in half. And now the lower torso, the legs are just walking around with the spine moving and everything. And it looks fantastic. And uh, so now, now the zombie got blown in half, but that doesn't stop him. So he starts like coming after Jesse and Tom shooting it and everything. And they even do a cool job where I know that they used an actor that didn't have legs so that when he walked, so basically that zombie was two actors. It was the main actor, I think for the face stuff, the close up stuff and the full body standing up. And then they used an actor that had uh, an amputee. And so he could walk on his hands and everything. So it's funny. They, Tom, turns on this like a uh, steam vent or something some kind of th- uh, air venting system that, that that blows the zombie backwards and kind of 
bursted skin off of him so it's all like charred and and everything and it's still alive but it buys them time to kind of get on the elevator and and get out of there and that scene right there i think is it still holds up i think that scene is fun i think the zombie is really cool especially when it gets blown in half oh yeah it's yeah that uh when he gets him like all charred up he looks so cool when he's all charred up too yeah he does Upstairs, Brenda's basically grabbing Joey and and getting the hell out of there. Ed is sort of following her. He's like he doesn't want to be left behind. And I'm coming I, with you. I'm coming with you. I did Yeah, he was funny. You know, it, it's he's whiny and everything. Um, they're driving through the town. Uh, Brenda's driving Ed and Joey. They're driving through the town, and you know. Ed's just, he's dying. They're both dying. Joey's just dying. It's look, they look terrible. And, um, (laughs) they run into these three military guys. And one of which is like we said earlier, uh, shocker, Wes Craven, shocker. And Skinner from (laughs) X-Files. Yeah. Shocker. (laughs) So these like three military guys are just, I guess, patrolling the town. But then when this car full of people comes up, you know, they're like, get the fuck out of here. They don't even want to deal with them. You would think that, like, if they were there to quarantine, they'd be like, okay, where'd you come from? Are there yeah. more people? You know, they're just like, no, get the get the hell out of here. But one of the military guys gets killed by Ed because at this point, Ed dies on the ground and then wakes up and just chomps on this guy's brains. And then uh, the, the remaining two military guys shoot Ed, but... You know, he sits back up again. They're like, oh, my God, what's happening? So they decide to get the hell out of there and uh, leave their leave their poor man behind on the ground with his brain spilling out <laughs> everywhere. And uh, Brenda and Joey basically, uh, you know, get the hell out of there, too. They, they speed off as well. Yeah, I think this is when Ed was like, that was another thing, because his character turn, he just became a zombie. And and he didn't have his, you know, swan song like he had in Return of the Living Dead. Where you're like, oh, yeah, you know, I had some sympathy for him. This one, you're just like, meh, whatever. OK, he's dead. Yeah, this one. And this is the last time you see James Karen. Now, he doesn't he doesn't have any kind of of send off. Like you said, it's not like the first movie where he does anything. This is it. He's now just on the street. Another one of the zombies, you know, in town, essentially. But yeah. you, you don't actually you know see him anymore uh moving forward sadly because he's the best horn yeah and and (laughs) god damn it ken god Uh, God damn it ken wiederhorn be a man uh Uh, jesse and the rest of the gang uh, are driving through town in an ambulance this time since their car got stolen they're uh they're they're in an ambulance uh they see like zombies attacking a pet store and that kind of like causes um Tom to get upset and he chases yeah. in the van he chases one zombie down sort of and hits him with the car hits him with the the ambulance and it knocks the zombie back into an electric sign but he's also like the zombie lands in a puddle and the sign sort of anyways long story short they discover that electricity will actually kill the zombies if you like you know put electricity through their entire body that'll be what actually kills them that was cool. That was a cool um, twist or, or reveal because that wasn't even nearly explored in the first one. And it's cool. Yeah. It's like a nice uh, – it's a nice – it gives us hope because the because yeah. the original is so bleak. It's like, no, this, we're all going to die. This one gives us hope that, okay, well, there's something we can do about it. Yeah, and I think that's what really also helps – 
to make this movie more of a of a kid adventure film because it doesn't yeah. have the bleak ending that that the first one has. Um, and yeah, you're right. It, it gives them hope that that something actually can be done about it, and they they can actually do something now. Um, back in the car with Brenda, Joey finally dies. Tom Matthews finally dies on the seat next to her and comes back pretty much right away as a zombie. And Brenda pulls the car over. She gets out. She runs into a church. Joey chases her. Basically, I can smell your brains. They smell so, what did he say, spicy or something yeah, like say, that? Yeah. Smells so spicy. <laughs> rich, no, rich and spicy. Yeah. <laughs> And, and Brenda's like, what? you know, and then she's tripping over herself. And then finally, like, he's bearing down on her. And but it, it's, you know, he's, he's still bearing this, like, down on her. <laughs> I can write a, a return living dead porno. <laughs> Horrible. <laughs> Anyways. No, it's not. Um, it's funny. And so she basically just gives up. She's like, fine, eat my brains. But he has this like thing where, I mean, he, he's about to eat her and she's like, eh, she winces and he stops. So there's like this, you know, this aspect to him where he doesn't want to hurt his girlfriend, you know, whereas in the first movie when he was trying to get her, he broke his hand off and it was so violent. Yeah, it's just whatever. Uh, she dies and when he bites into her brains it kind of like zooms in on her face and she almost becomes like orgasmic she's like uh oh you know and yeah well, it harkens it takes back away to the some mom of, in the beginning yeah it kind of takes mom. away some of the 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 fear of it right like it, it makes it much more i guess palatable i don't know yeah because you know when when they were eating when um ed eats the military guy's brains it's really gross it's really like gory and and there is a an excessive excessive amount of gore in this film in a good way and then when they do the close-up of the brain munching on the two people their reaction is funny the first time the second time around you're like okay yeah and then that's it party's over for the hot tonally it's a little bit inconsistent tonally i would say yeah i agree I don't get it. I don't. I don't. I don't understand. Yeah, some people look like they're in pain when they get their brains eaten, and some people look like it's no big deal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Wish, I wish they. I don't know. It's this. That was a moment where I'm like, the mom was funny, and it. it but this one was. By the second time around, I was like, man, okay, well, one. It, it was. It worked the first time, not second time. <laughs> Uh, so Joey and the rest of the gang, they are heading out of town. They're driving over a bridge and kind of like escape from New York. They get yeah. to the end of the bridge and it's, it's all blocked off and you know, it's, they're staring into darkness. They don't know what's over there. And then all the lights come on and there's a bunch of like military people there and they shoot at them. Uh, so basically, <laughs> you know, that the military knows that they're in there, but it's a quarantine situation, which makes things much more dire. And now they can't just escape the town essentially. Essentially. They're trapped inside the town. So the, they turn around and basic and Jesse, he, you know, he's like, oh, where do we go? He uses the, the ambulance radio and he talks to a zombie on the other end. Zombie says, well, come back to the hospital. But the, the doctor, doctor's with him. He's like, hold on. Let me, you know, because Jesse's all excited. Like, oh, cool. Let's go back to the hospital. And the doctor's like, asks the person on the other end of the radio, which is a zombie. Who's the president? And then the zombie's like, mm, 
Harry Truman. And that's how they know that it's a zombie. And this is, you know, that, that this was like probably like a mandate from the, from the producers or whatever that, you know, you have to have a send more paramedics scene. And this was trying to be the send more paramedics. And it not, didn't quite work that way. No, no, it wasn't. It wasn't as effective. The zombie was no. like way too lucid, you know. Yeah. Uh, so cable guy Tom, he's smart. He comes up with a plan. So they go to a meat packing plant to essentially. You don't really see them do it, but they essentially steal a bunch of cow brains. Uh, Jesse stands watch by the door. I don't really know why. And uh, so we cut. To the, so as he's standing watch by the door, we cut to those two army guys. Now they're they're like in an alley or something. I don't know why they didn't just get the fuck out of there because one of their their third partner dude got eaten. So yeah. wouldn't you want to get back to your command and you know whatever. But they're kind of just chilling by their by their Jeep, and they get ambushed by a bunch of zombies. They try to shoot them, but they just get attacked. So sayonara, Wes Craven's shocker. On to shocker he goes. <laughs> he got shocked. He got the shocker. Yeah, you know. Um, and he got so the then, shocker. But then because of that, good job. Oh, I see. <laughs> Zach and I, when we record this, we're uh, looking at each other on Skype, and Zach is holding up the shocker symbol from uh, <laughs> who is that? Uh, is that D- Dane Cook? The Dane Cook shocker symbol? Is that what that is? No, that was Matt yeah. Hardy, version one. Version oh, okay. <laughs> it's a wrestling reference. It has nothing to do with anything else that you. Ref- no, never mind. No, I'm not a wrestling guy, buddy. <laughs> but um. So this like the the only thing that happens here now is that we get this another funny scene where a bunch is like too many zombies in a jeep. It's the, the humor comes from the fact that there's like eight zombies in a jeep and they yeah. go driving by Jesse because he's standing on the street like 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 an idiot. They drive by him, you know, and then the zombies like ah, you know, like trying to grab him, and then the the zombie driving him has to reverse and you know, all the other zombies don't think to get out of the Jeep. They're just trying to grab Jesse. And so he goes running around and then runs from a car that turns out to be, you know, uh, uh, the box truck. It was all very con- of with the brother. I'm sorry, with the sister, with Tom, with the doctor, and they basically there's like a little scene where they chase him down, and it's you think it's the zombies in the jeep, but it turns out to just be them. It's overly convoluted for a nothing payoff gag. So I was yeah. like, well, why did they even make Jesse stand out front just so you could have the scene with the zombie jeeps, and then to have Jesse getting chased through the city by the the truck that you thought was the zombie jeeps, although it just turned out to be, you know, Tom, right? It makes like no it, sense. It was just padding. It felt like filler. Yeah. Yeah. It felt like they, 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 it was, didn't originally happen. And they're like, Oh, we need to add three minutes to the movie. Let's add this scene here. It felt like it was yeah. tacked on like afterwards with like reshoots or something. Yeah. It does not work for me either. No, no, I thought it. I thought it was stupid, and, and like just the, the logic of the character and what it was like, just everything that happened. I was like, it doesn't make any sense, yeah. um, at all. So the the gang are basically use utilizing their game plan, 
which is to lure the zombies to, um, I guess, the local power plant for the whole area because it's a pretty big power plant. But they're luring them through the city by driving the box truck sort of slow and dropping cow brains out on the street while the, the horde is basically just following them. And they get to the power station. They kind of pull into the power station, close the gate. I'm trying to figure out, like, what I was trying to track the plan. So they pull into power station, close the gate before the zombies get there. So now the zombies are on the outside wanting to get in. Uh, they turn the power off to the whole place. So then they start putting brains in like like puddles and stuff like like in the street in the in between all of the power plant stuff all the all the big turbines whatever you call them the tesla looking coils you know your yeah. typical power plant visuals and just picture like your typical power plant but with like a muddy road in the middle and instead of like a paved road and that's where they're putting the brains in like all the little puddles and then they're putting like wires in there as well so the idea is is that they're going to open the gates let the zombies come in turn the power on while the zombies are standing in the puddle eating the brains and fry all the zombies at once except Billy, the antagonist zombie, climbs the fence and opens the door for them before they're ready. So the zombies start compiling in while uh, Tom, Tom, the sister, and Jesse are outside. The doctor is kind of inside in the control room area. Um, Tom, Jesse, and his sister, they all have to run to the box truck. They get stuck inside the box truck while the zombies are outside. They leave their walkie-talkie out there. So, you know, you, you know they're fucked out there. Yeah. So Jesse gets volunteered to climb through sort of like this top window. Um, it doesn't lead directly into the cab, but it leads, leads to the roof of the cab, and then he can kind of slide into the cab of the of the vehicle. And Tom is kind of telling him how to, you know, uh, drive stick shift. And Jesse gets the truck away now from from the zombie horde. But, you know, he's a 10-year-old kid driving a truck, so it's not, not really doing too well. And Billy pops up in front of him, and he runs into Billy, but that also kind of like barrels him into the truck into the side of the building into in some some it's i guess it's the same room as the control room but it's got it's weird because it's got planks and stuff it looks like it's outside but i think it's inside it's yeah, hard to I sort think of it's track. supposed to be the control room but they don't it doesn't make a whole lot of sense they just yeah. it's almost like they the third act of the movie they just throw the spaghetti on the wall and they hope whatever the majority of it sticks yeah, yeah, it, it's hard to track the the architecture of the actual power plant here. Um, but you know, uh, it doesn't kill Billy, knocking him through the wall. So Jesse kind of has to run away from him while his sister and Tom are still stuck in the back of the the truck, the box truck, because zombies are still like trying to get in at them, uh, and they're actually starting to get into the the wood door through the like you know the the door for the box truck. They're actually starting to get in there, and. Jesse runs up these stairs to like a, a like an overwalk area, but it it looks like it's outside, but I think it's inside the facility. Um, yeah. And of course, Billy chases him, 
Jesse stabs Billy in the mouth of the screwdriver, which I actually liked. I liked how he like puts it right into Billy's mouth. Yeah, that was and cool. then knocks. Yeah, I thought that was neat. Knocks Billy off the the ledge. Then he goes downstairs to turn the power on. He does turn the power on, but right when that happens, Billy kind of comes out, you know, and he has to fight Billy. The doctor is fighting Billy while the zombies are all just getting electrocuted outside. But because of it, like one of the towers blows up above the building and it comes crashing through the ceiling, basically creating a spot for Jesse to knock Billy into these electric, you know, Tesla coil looking things fries Billy that that destroys Billy um, outside all the zombies are getting killed and you get the famous Michael Jackson zombie uh, comes in there and uh, and that's it they're all dead and then you kind of do like a little dissolve and the military is there cleaning cleaning everything up and the doctor Jesse his sister and Tom are all kind of like walking out leaving doctor's talking about getting drinks which is you know <laughs> terrible because he's talking to like a two 16 year olds and a and a 10 year old about going to get drinks and he's yeah just and he's like drunk. uh what does he say he's like have you ever seen a grown man drunk yeah yeah have you ever seen grown man's drunk i was like yeah you're 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 not a molester at all are you <laughs> yeah okay mo it's, mo lester yeah, exactly and then it ends with you know a shot of that zombie head with the screwdriver and a, a military guy with a flamethrower and the zombie head's like, ah, oh, you know, oh, I'm not going to eat anybody, you know, doing this whole bit about, you know, whatever. And then the flamethrower guy, you know, and she's like, ah, oh, I got gas. It's, it was terrible. That was, I mean, it ends on it, but that's, that's terrible. And, yeah, uh, and what the, the head finds its way into the yeah. power plant. Yeah, that was clearly just a tacked on gag. Like, we need to have that head maker uh, re- reappearance, you know. Um, I feel like Ken Wiederhorn watched too many of those Naked Gun airplane movies and just yeah. thought, oh, I'm going to do a zombie version of this. No. Yeah, and I think it would have been better off to, to lean into one or other one or the yeah. other more more so it, it's very middle of the road unfortunately and yeah, you know agreed. i think i think you're right if if he wanted to do a naked gun zombie movie he should have just gone full tilt boogie and did that um which could but, have been okay which could have been you know um it could have worked if he if he went harder on that end yeah but it would have yeah. been nice if he kept it rooted more in the pseudo serious genre yeah you know yeah no i i i totally agree um but real quick while we're still on that ending um the one thing i always hated about the michael jackson is that you can tell that he's looking down for his spot like right when he lands he's like looking down at his his like where he needs to be in the shot and then he yeah. looks up and does his dance you can just I, I always picked up on that and even watching it now i was like oh you can totally look and he's looking for his spot essentially when he lands in there but they did that on on one take and they did that on the last take apparently uh they did not get the green light to do it they uh wanted to do it they didn't think they were going to do the michael jackson gag uh they filmed that scene a couple times without it and it was the last time they were going to film it and basically they he said fine just jump in let's do it and he jumps in and does it and that's the take that they used because it's the only take they have that's obvious because it it just it just definitely feels thrown in and it could have been done a little they should they should have just did it you know and and made a little more effort into it because it could have been really funny uh 
because it is not as funny watching it second time around maybe watching it now i'm like eh, it's not as funny as it as i thought it was back in the day it's just, I, it does I agree. feel like a little yeah i agree but it's it it is iconic though like oh for people sure. People remember that about this movie as much as like you'd say that we said in the last episode, like, you know, even if you haven't seen Return of the Living Dead, you just know the zombies eat brains. And that's like that is exclusively from the Return of the Living Dead series. And then even this movie, you say, hey, you ever you know, that movie with uh, the zombie movie with the the Michael Jackson? Oh, yeah, yeah. Everyone like even if they don't know it's this movie, they'll know what you're talking about. Totally. Yeah. Everyone saw it. But yeah, the head and the Michael Jackson scene are, are definitely the memorable things from the movie. And what probably you and I love about the movie is not as memorable to a wider audience because they just it's like, no, it's because, you know, it was, it's fun. It's a fun movie. And that that third act is it moves so fast. You're like, oh, shit, it's just bango, 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 bango. And Tom and Lucy you know, share a kiss and they think, Oh, they're, they're now boyfriend and girlfriend and they're in love with each other. And, uh, you know, and then that's sweet. And, but then, then it's over. Next thing you know, it's over and the credits are ending and running and you're like, Oh, okay. Peace out. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's very Happy tidy. Ending. It's very tidy. It's a, it's a very tidy wrap up. Um, and I think that's, yeah, like you said, that's what kind of helped us like it when we were younger um, it's funny that the two things that I think are the most memorable about this movie are probably the worst two things about this film, the the head with the screwdriver <laughs> and the Michael Jackson zombie. I mean, arguably those are the two worst parts of the film, the yep. two silliest and just even they're not even like pulled off that well. Like, you know, like they're not even done that well, no. but it's what people remember. It's, it's, it's iconic now, man. How do you make something iconic? You just, you just make it. And then hopefully 30 years from now, people consider it iconic. I don't think there's any blueprints to making something iconic. Well, you know, going back to the director's first movie, he did shockwaves, um, Nazi zombies, Nazi aquatic zombies is pretty damn original. And Peter Cushing being in that movie, one of his last movies he ever did. And there's so many elements to that movie, I feel, that could be memorable and iconic. But hardly anybody knows about that movie. This movie, yeah. zombies are so were, were popular in the 60s and are, dare I say, as popular, if not more popular, in the past 10 years because of walking dead. And I, I feel like it's starting to jump the shark now and people are getting a little tired of it because it's run its course. But there was a good, maybe early 10 years ago when zombie, the zombie genre was at its absolute peak and you could throw this movie in there. And I think people would be like, okay, yeah, this is good. Like, I think people can watch this now and go, yeah, it's a fun, it's a fine film. It's a, it's a fun, fun little 90 minute romp. Yeah, d- dive into your your thoughts here, buddy. T- tell me like what your overall feelings were with nostalgia involved, and you know, looking through a lens of, of more recent how how it holds up. Um, yeah, you, you think it you think it actually holds up pretty well. Yeah, I think I think you can. I think it, it it's a passable film. I think people can watch it now and be like, that was fun. It was not a it was not a time waster. I think if you did a zombie movie night and you threw this in as the second or third movie. I think 
the the group that maybe if people haven't seen it they'd be fine with it because it's fun make sure you get the original cut and not the tainted uh odd audio version because that does have a factor on it it cheapens the film dramatically with like this generic synth uh like musical score but yeah the movie is fun and and i remember watching it in the theater almost with the exact same feeling i walked out i'm like okay it wasn't a waste of my time but was it the best zombie movie i've ever seen no did you watch it a lot though as a kid like what was like how heavy in the rotation was it for you i feel like i did watch it a lot like i remember renting it and being like oh yeah let's watch return of the living dead because there wasn't a lot of movies that you could because you know our generation of watching movies is like everybody came over to watch a movie you have a bunch of your buddies over at the house and you watch something silly and typically you wanted something really fucking scary or really gory or just really balls out silly and i feel like this probably at the time was like considered balls out silly to me because i was like oh yeah the head laughing and the michael jackson thing and uh, you know, the, the face on the mom and the, those were like, let's, let's all laugh together. There, there was like this idealization that it was way better than it actually was. And now watching it, like, yeah, that's probably another 20 years will go by before I watch it again. <laughs> when Bodie's older and he's like, let's watch a bunch of zombie movies. I'll be like, okay, cool. Let's watch Return of the Living Dead. You know, that's my thoughts. <laughs> That's 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 honest, man. That's that's honest. I hope I'm there when Bodhi watches it. I'd like to watch it with him. I think that'd be a lot of fun. <laughs> for sure, for sure. He's got a little ways to go, but uh, yes. yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's he's got yeah quite quite a few years to go until he can, he can watch it. And I'm I'm sure his mom won't want him to watch it as young of an age as we saw when we were you know <laughs> that age and everything oh, she's already got a problem with him playing elevator action so uh you know oh that's a great game that's i love elevator action man oh that dude i got game. the it's a mini console it's oh. it's yeah yeah oh dude it's, that's cool it's like the arcade it looks like an arcade it's exact it's a replica it's it's amazing it's beautiful dude i i loved elevator action man i thought that game was fun as hell when i was a kid i, I thought Still. the animation and it was really cool and i liked how big the character sprites were i thought it was yeah. awesome it was the closest thing to like a cool cloak and dagger game that you could get back then yeah yeah definitely definitely <laughs> um but anyways but yeah this, return of the living dead dude yeah. i i i I loved it, man. Watching it again, like I said, it just it ticks all of my nostalgic boxes. I'd seen it so much as a kid, and I'm with you. I think it holds up. Um, I would be a little hesitant to recommend it to somebody. I think I would rather I would rather be able to be there and and read the room. And I think it would be like you need to be in the right mindset to watch this at, if you've never seen it before. And yeah. I think you know you got to have it be a few drinks in, be a few joints in, maybe. <laughs> and you know it might be a perfect movie where, like you said, it's like it's if it's the second or third movie of the night. At that point, if it's a party, everyone's talking already. Like, just have it playing in the background. You know, I think it's it's a great way to kind of experience it. But if you do watch it, as much as we ripped on the director, like, 
it's still a competently made movie. It's still yeah. like Agreed. a well-made film. And, you know, it has issues here and there with stuff. Obviously, we, we talked about all the issues. It has a lot of issues, right? But it's it's a movie. It, you know what I mean? Like beginning to end, it's, it's a well-made movie. It's not a piece of crap film. So I think that kind of helps it hold up. I think some of the, the gags are, are entertaining. But personally, I think that it holds up as a – as a child, as a kid adventure movie, I think I don't. I'm not going to say it's up there with with Monster Squad or Goonies or Explorers. It's not. It's not in that same like level of quality. But I would put it sort of in that genre more than it would. Ha- I think it has like one foot in that genre, one foot in the zombie genre. And just because it's just it doesn't have a bleak ending. It's not it's not as bleak as Terror Vision. It's not as bleak as Return of the Living Dead Part One. Like the kids, the kids survive. And I think that goes a long way into for, for someone that age to enjoy it as well. So I love it. I'll probably watch it more frequently than you but not as frequently as return of the living dead part one i'll probably i'll probably wait like five years or something to see it again Uh, whereas i watched you know part one at least once a year so but yeah part one is the christmas story of zombie movies yeah pretty much it's 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 awesome i love part one so I, I enjoyed having a reason to go back and rewatch this, having not seen it in 20 years. And it was a lot of fun. I, well, I enjoyed this month. I enjoyed revisiting both of these movies back to back. It was fun to just see them, see them both in, in not in a new light, but just ha- have watching them back to back. I got more of an impression of how things were perceived back in the day. Like I got, uh, cause you know, I, when I was a kid, I probably watched part two, before I watched part one, essentially, I'm, I'm sure that I did. So wow. it, it's kind of it's interesting to watch them as a whole now. You know, well, in, I think in the also order. having interviewed Tom Matthews for this month for our Patreon exclusive interview. And if you haven't signed up, you should because it's really good. Uh, he doesn't you know, he's done other interviews, but I feel like not to toot our own horn, but he does definitely reveal some things on this that you might not hear on other interviews. Uh, about his career and just to put that into perspective watching this movie after watching the second watching the first one and going okay he's has a clear strong thoughts about the first one and he has some interesting thoughts about the second so check that interview out if you haven't had a chance because it's really good and i can only say it out of enough times because it's really good <laughs> but yeah it was nice to go down a uh a trip down memory lane with the the return of living dead and i haven't watched the two of them back to back in that short of a time span in quite a while so that was fun too yeah yeah no this is this was awesome man i Really loved it. We say it every episode. I know because I edit them. So it's, <laughs> but I, I love it. I love doing the show with you, man. It gives us a reason to go back Likewise. and watch these movies. And it's fun to break them down and talk about them because, again, we're at two hours and 40 minutes and we've talked about Return of the Living Dead 2 for almost three hours. No one else has ever done that. I guarantee you, even the director has never done that. Yeah, <laughs> when I he was said making I the s- movie. And I said, to I can Corey almost guarantee we re- you that he didn't think about this movie for three hours straight like we did when even when he was making it. Yeah, we gave this movie a lot of credit. <laughs> yes, a we lot. did. <laughs>
<laughs> we did. Guys, let us know, and gals, let us know what you think of Return of the Living Dead Part 2. Our buddy Tony on Facebook, he already made a comment. Uh, I think he said he on the Reddit page, he said that uh, he watched it, I think, in preparation for this. Because, uh, guys, swing on by our Reddit page. We like to announce what movies we're going to do next over there. And, uh, yeah, he said this one's not one of his favorites. Uh, he said he liked Parts 1 and 3 better. And I'm, I think that's completely valid. I think... Uh, even part three, the director's cut, uh, is the unrated version of part three is fantastic. There's so much, so much more violence in that movie. But you know what? I, I'm I would love to rewatch three again. Uh, we're not going to do it for the podcast, mainly because no one has the director's cut anywhere. It's you can you can see part three on uh, Hulu. And I believe Amazon Prime, but it's not because Scream Factory or Shout Factory have never done it. So it's 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 it says it's the R-rated version. So I haven't gone in and re and watched it, but I'm I'm waiting to watch the director's cut for Part Three. Um, if yeah, someone puts I, out, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Trimark is is like I think New um, Lionsgate owns them now owns the rights to all these movies and they're re-releasing them in like special edition. I think they're releasing an unrated version. I hope um, so. I, that the only reason I've been, yeah, like I said, the only reason I won't watch it is because it's not the unrated version. Same as, um, I know a big deal with that Friday the 13th box set that came out like five, five years ago. You know, the one that had every movie, uh, yeah. the Jason goes to hell was the theatrical cut and not the unrated cut. And I know everyone was in uproar about that because it, because yeah, return of the living dead is the same way. The, the, the director's cut, it's not different story wise, but it adds so much more to the violence and the kills that it yeah. just like, it almost makes it a different movie. And, uh, Jason goes to hell was the same way. So yeah, I'm 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 not I haven't watched it yet. I do want to rewatch Return of the Living Dead Part Three whenever I get a hold of that. It, I'll just purchase it. If someone puts it out on Blu-ray on on unrated, I'm just, I'm not even going to think about it. I'm just going to buy it. I love that movie. To so. be continued. To be continued, guys and gals. Well, we got another marathon on our hands, buddy, and uh, I'm sure you want to get to bed pretty soon. It's been a long <laughs> day for you. <laughs> uh, Zach, my man, where can people find you online, brother? You can find me online in bed. No, uh, <laughs> you can find me online at <laughs> Zach Schaefer, S-Z-A-K-S-H-A-F-F-E-R on Instagram, uh, Zach Schaefer V-O on Twitter, and my other podcast, $2 Late Fee, T-W-O, uh, $2LateFee.com. Uh, we also have an Instagram page, too. Check us out. Facebook, all that good stuff. Corey, where can we find you? Yes, sir. Um, you can find me most active on Instagram at Corey Nation and on our Podcast After Dark subreddit. I'm over there having fun. And I know, Zach, you're on there, too. You just uh, signed up for Reddit, too. So maybe I'll maybe I'll get you over there uh, posting and talking. But it's it's yeah. just a fun thing. It's it's We just have a good time. I, I try to post supplemental materials uh, over there. You know, I think I just posted a video that uh, Beverly Randolph and uh, Brian Peck did of 
the shooting locations of Return of the Living Dead Part 1. Oh, cool. It's like a little 15-minute cool. video I found it on YouTube, so I posted that on Reddit. So we try to do fun stuff like that. Uh, Podcast-wise, you can find me on a bunch of stuff on our podcast network, the one that Podcast After Dark is on. I'm on a weekly Seinfeld show called Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. And I'm occasionally on the Blasphemer Past podcast. And make sure you also check out our buddies over at the Friday Five podcast. And so all of these are part of the Blasphemer Past network, and you can find all the shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, the usual. And if you could leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, it's still the best way to kind of get new listeners and share, even better, share us with a friend. Say, hey, you like this movie? You like these crazy old cult movies? Then check out this podcast. I got a perfect one right for you. It's called Podcasting After Dark. So yeah, you can find do. Yes, please do. And and we appreciate all the love you guys have already shown us. We I mean, we haven't technically been online that long, only for like, you know, four months, five months, something like that. And just the love, the how much feedback we've gotten from you guys, like how quickly our fan base has been growing has just been utterly amazing to me i i truly can't even believe it and i think it's just because the love of these movies everyone loves these these crazy cult movies and you know how many people are out there talking about well return living dead is a pretty popular one but tough turf what about tough turf you know how, how many people are talking about tough turf that's <laughs> stuff like that so we like to fill a niche you know yeah we're we've got I, I'm digging. I'm digging deep for the next for the next one. So, uh, and, and I'm and I'm keeping that in mind. Our fans that reach out and say, "Ooh, I really love this random thing that you pulled out," and so we'll, we'll get something good for you. We always got something choice for the future. <laughs> nice, nice, dude. Nice, good callback, buddy. Good callback. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, well, follow us on Reddit and Facebook. We will announce the next movie there. And until then, we will see you guys on the other side. Oh, yeah. Join the Podcasting After Dark Patreon community to unlock exclusive monthly content like cast interviews and a fan feedback show. Plus, you get every regular episode of Podcasting After Dark completely ad-free. You can also support the show by rating and reviewing us five stars on Apple Podcasts and by recommending us to your friends. Finally, make sure you follow us on Reddit, Instagram, and Facebook for news and updates about future episodes. Just search for podcasting after dark. I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. And we are the hosts of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are breaking down every single episode of Seinfeld as we watch it, reliving this amazing show. That's right. It's a trip down memory lane for all of us 90s kids out there. You can find Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Patreon. La la la.